And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Ladies and gentlemen, in this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, we're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. Thanks for your patience yesterday. We had uh, an Internet glitch. Um, our, uh, we've got huge amounts of data going out, as you can well imagine, and huge amounts of data coming in. And uh, something something happened actually yesterday, right before showtime, where our data was uh, – it was almost as if – well – uh, channel interference is what the official explanation was. So you tell me what happened. But nonetheless, we're back up full throttle today. We've got some, uh, uh, some things in place to prevent that again. Hopefully that'll work. We've got a great, great show lined up for you tonight. We've got Larry Pratt from, uh, well, he's the executive director emeritus of Gun Owners of America. Now you know that organization done more for, it, it's done more for, uh, the gun owners in this country in my view, than any other organization out there. And uh, Larry, Platt, Larry Pratt's the man behind it. And uh, we owe him a, a debt of gratitude for all of his hard work. We're going to be talking about some really important issues that affect all of us. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, we're going to be getting to him momentarily. I want to, want to mention the portions of tonight's broadcast brought to you by Bamboo HR. That's Bamboo HR. Uh, folks, uh, anyone out there who's working in human resources, if you've got a company and you manage payroll, you manage employees, uh, know this, know this company name, Bamboo HR, and BambooHR.com, okay? Uh, that's, that's a company that'll take all of the trouble, all of the trouble of human resources management off of your plate. We use them, and we're glad we do. Um, I'm Doug Hagman, of course, at the helm. Joel will be back tomorrow. He's out sick still and, uh, still has the creeping crud as many people do. It seems like it's gone through the, gone through the, uh, studio. Uh, and of course, folks, please do me two favors. Uh, bookmark HagmanReport.com. That's for show information and, uh, all the information you need to know for all of the shows. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to HagmanReport.com and find the venue and uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're live on YouTube. Without any further ado, I'm going to bring Mr. Larry Pratt on. He is, again, the Executive Director Emeritus of Gun Owners of America. It's a national grassroots organization. Unless you've been living under a rock in America or unless you're an illegal alien, um, you don't know about GOA. Well, you should know about it. Uh, they represent more than one and a half million Americans dedicated to promoting their Second Amendment freedoms to keep and bear arms. The most important, I, I believe, amendment of them all, sec- well, second to the first, right? Uh, they lobby for pro-gun position, uh, for the, for the pro-gun position in D.C., of course, and they're involved in firearm issues in the states. And they work to provide legal assistance to those involved in lawsuits. With the ATF, ATFE now, uh, the Federal Firearms Law Enforcement Agency, and of course, and Mr. Pratt, he's appeared on just about every news, news, uh, place on the planet. CNN with Beers Morgan, NBC Today's show, uh, and I believe it's his son, Eric. I just, man, I'll tell you, 
you don't want to get in the, you don't want to get in a debate with Eric, Eric Pratt. Uh, stand back because he's got the ammo in terms of information. But Mr. Pratt, Larry Pratt, welcome to the Hagman Hagman Report, sir. Well, it's good to be with you. Thanks very much for having me. Oh man, it's our pl- it's our pleasure, really. Uh, and we've been really wanting to get you on for some time. Uh, so much has happened over the last eight years. And I asked you right before the show started, I, I, I asked all of the guests, so, so, you know, where do you want to start? And I loved your answer. You said, boy, this is a target-rich environment. And I thought, how appropriate is that? You're darn right. It's a uh, target-rich environment. So uh, I, I guess let's start out with where we've been and where we are now, what you think this uh, this administration friend or foe, uh, or, or, well, it's hard to believe anyone would be more antagonistic than the last regime in D.C., inside the Beltway. You bet. But, uh, so, so what do you think? What's on your radar? Well, we have been playing defense, uh, inevitably, for the last eight years because the administration was extremely hostile, and I can tell you that we're uh, relieved that the President Obama has left, and uh, we're somewhat happy and relieved that he left with a big lament that his greatest failure uh, was in the area of promoting gun control. And uh, we were delighted to hear him say that. We agree. Uh, He didn't make much headway there, but it wasn't for want of trying. Uh, Obama is a dedicated Solinsky Marxist, and as such, he was just absolutely determined to shut down the Second Amendment and to do what he could to hobble it, if possible, to absolutely get rid of it. Uh, He leaves office with that unfulfilled objective. Now we've got a president who has said that he favors specifically a piece of legislation that we think would do a world of good and would save a lot of lives, and that is If you have a concealed carry permit uh, in your state of residence, you would be able to take that. It would be portable, just like your driver's license. So even if you went to a very anti-gun jurisdiction, such as Chicago, you'd be able to carry your firearm and your concealed carry permit from your home state. And the legislation, uh, which is introduced in the House, uh, by Representative Hudson of North Carolina, and we're hoping that it will be coming soon in the Senate, that this measure also provides for those who live in constitutional carry states don't require permits to carry a concealed firearm. For those uh, happy folks, all they need is a some sort of an identification that shows that they live in, um, oh, say, a state like Arkansas, and uh, they can go then to any country in the, uh, any state in the country with their firearm and their cons- and their state driver's license, and they're good to go. Uh, so that we think is a is a good step forward. It's certainly not all that needs to be done, but I think uh, by encouraging people to not leave their safety at home and wherever they travel in our country, be able to protect themselves by bringing their firearm along with them, that's going to uh, end up being a very important factor in continuing to lower the violent crime rate in our country. 
Now, as soon as we get finished with that, and really at the same time, we're going to be promoting uh, an elimination of gun-free zones, uh, which have been the place of choice for mass murderers in our country. All but four of our mass murders have occurred since 1950 in these gun-free zones. And why they are still in the books defies uh, understanding and imagination. Uh, this is such a no-brainer that we get rid of these zones and invite the good guys to come in. And we're not going to put you in jail for trying to defend yourself when, in fact, that's what we should have been encouraging all along. So there are other things, but those uh, would be two of the items that are going to be very much front and center on the legislative agenda for gun owners of America. Yeah, okay. And both sound um, uh, principles, I, I guess. Uh, both sound objectives. You know, I, I look at the Second Amendment, and this is just me as, I mean, just me as a normal guy. It's not, I mean, there's no ambiguity to the Second Amendment. It, it gives you the right to bear arms. It, it, and, and how do we get, I mean, how did this get so twisted? Uh, our rights just become so violated with respect to the Second Amendment. Uh, and maybe that's, uh, maybe that's oversimplified, but there, there's... I don't think so. Okay. We've been dealing with a uh, an elite, an establishment that has tried to uh, dissimulate uh, and has tried to uh, convince us that uh, if we see things in terms of either I'm armed and I can protect myself or I'm not and I could well be a victim, well, that's not a very nuanced position. And uh, they're all about nuance, and uh, they continue hanging on to their nuance on top of a growing pile of dead bodies. Uh-huh. And we think that's just uh, obscene uh, to tell people that they're better off not having a gun. We're really dealing with two different ways of thinking. Uh, I think most people who advocate uh, for firearms freedom, probably most conservatives generally, hopefully, think, uh, try to think anyway, we all fail time to time, but we try to think uh, in a logically sequential fashion and we try to reference facts and if facts don't comport with uh, the way we're trying to explain things, uh, we should be willing to modify our thinking. Uh, and I've actually had this discussion with people who don't like uh, other people walking around with guns and they'll say, well, I hear what you're saying, but I just don't feel safe if I think that I'm in a room with people that are carrying a concealed firearm, or for that matter, carrying one openly. Sure. Uh, and that, uh, uh, I think, typifies the problem that we face, that we are dealing, by and large, uh, with people who think with their emotions rather than try to think uh, with logic. And that's hard to overcome because we're not really on the same wavelength. And a demonstration of facts doesn't necessarily convince them because they still feel that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I had, today I had uh, watched many video uh, discussions, debates even, uh, with with uh, 
that's on your page. Uh, of course, folks, visit uh, gunowners.org. A lot of resources there. Fantastic. Uh, but, but there's this mindset out there, uh, by people who are just, I, I don't know. I, th- I think you best explained it. You know, it's, it's this, it's really, it's really a kind of a twisted mindset with respect to, to guns and fe- the fear of guns. But the argument's always deflected from the people who, who possess them to the guns themselves. It's always, the guns are the problem, not the people. And sure. If we didn't have that gun available, then we, when we inevitably lose our temper, uh, we wouldn't be able to reach for that gun and all those bad things wouldn't happen. <laughs> well, excuse me, but uh, in all deference to the people that we're arguing with, I don't think they, uh, uh, they look at themselves carefully enough. And what I think they're doing, uh, uh, most of the time is projecting onto us their anger management problems. Uh, after Obama won, uh, I was not the only one to be very disappointed and very concerned about the future of my country. But I didn't go out in the streets and my fellow gun owners, my fellow conservatives did not go out into the streets and start tearing things up and dumping trash cans and lighting fires and busting automobiles and attacking police officers. Uh, we just doubled down. Uh, we probably had a day or two of a pity party and then we doubled down and went back to work yep. and, and tried to overcome the defeat that we had just suffered. But as we're seeing, the left really suffers from an anger management problem. And they're out there on a tear, rather literally, and we don't hear any condemnations of that from maybe their next presidential candidate, Senator Hiawatha, uh, Pocahontas, uh, <laughs> uh, otherwise the senator from Massachusetts. Uh, she's uh, out there leading... Uh, the war cry for violence and there should no condemnation whatsoever. Uh, and, and so that's kind of typical. If, if there had been conservatives that were behaving in that fashion, I guarantee you we wouldn't have been alone in telling them to cooler jets and to uh, just go and get involved politically to overturn the mess that we're in because they're not going to make it any better the way they're going. And in fact, uh, I have mixed emotions about getting the left to stop doing what they're doing because I think every time they go out and uh, tear something up, uh, even though the media doesn't like to cover it that extensively, you can't hardly ignore it. And I think they're making points for us. So uh, anybody listening who's uh, on the left, I know Right Watch uh, really is fixated by what folks like us are talking about. Uh, please. Don't tell uh, your fellow lefties how much good they're doing for us when they go out and break the law as blatantly as they do and show that it is they that are the problem for keeping security in our republic, not the conservatives who are trying to be productive to accomplish things through the established mechanisms that we have in our country. Uh, And so uh, I'm... uh, it truly of mixed emotions. I don't want them to settle down too much, but on the other hand, what they do is very destructive. Oh, and yeah. It's, it's so uh, bizarre that most of the time what they're destroying is their own base of support. Uh, when they did their uh, little uh, 
nuanced dances, they destroyed Baltimore where the people they say they were concerned about live. They didn't go out to the the uh, ritzy neighborhoods where the mayor lives. Sure. Uh, uh, in fact, when she said there were zones that would be set aside for this very purpose, uh, I took note that her house was not located anywhere near those riot zones that she was permitting. So uh, the left is really something to behold, and I think we need to call them out on it. Uh, these are destructive people. They have been since at least Karl Marx. There were antecedents. Uh, they and their roots go right through Lenin and Hitler and uh, some of the left-wing monsters of our day, such as uh, Maduro, uh, the Chavez successor in Venezuela. Um, these are not nice people because they think they know so much better than the rest of us schlubs. And so, if we don't uh, uh, say how high when they say frog. Uh, then obviously uh, there's going to be some real trouble. And I'm for calling them out. I'm for telling them, you keep that up, we're going to put you in jail for as long as we possibly can. We're going to fine you as much as we possibly can. Of course, you don't work for a living, so you won't have much to be able to pay the fine. But we're going to make it hurt. And right now, they're not getting that message. They're free to destroy, and we just sort of say, well, never mind. You know, what, well, what has made the right? Um, I mean, you and I, we've been around a long time. Uh, what has made the right, the conservative base, so tolerant and acceptant, acceptant of this kind of destructive behavior and this, this behavior that's really, um, anti-constitutional and anti, I mean, they, they say they're for free speech and they're, uh, but, but they're the first ones to shut people down that they don't agree with. They say they're, uh, I mean, they're anti-fascist, but yet they're the biggest fascists around. I mean, I mean what's behind all of this? Uh, is, is this? Well, in fairness, I don't think the right has had that much control of the levers of the police powers of the state. Um, it, the left has been in control of a lot of that. The city councils across the country, uh, where these problems erupt, are all run by Democrats. Uh, you don't find, as a rule, uh, a Republican-inclined city like Phoenix, for example, having this kind of problem. Uh, and I think it's time that we uh, deliver a message through, maybe with our new attorney general, that uh, we've reached the end of the road and we're not going to tolerate this anymore. And this is a sedition uh, against the entire republic. And we're going to come down on you uh, like a bad dream if you don't cut it out. And they won't believe that at first. And so some of them are going to have to be uh, picked up and put in the paddy wagon and carted off to jail and made to stay there until they come before a judge and get the book thrown at them. Amen. That's right. And I, I would add today that Senator uh, Sessions was confirmed, Justice Sessions was confirmed, or sworn in, uh, I should say, to be more accurate, as Attorney right. General of the United States today. Uh, you got high hopes for him, right? In terms of... Um, well. He's a very good choice, and the encouraging thing about the timing of his being sworn in means he's no longer a senator. Uh, hopefully, the judgment is correct that his vote is no longer needed in the United States Senate. It was in order to get Betsy DeVos as the head of the Department of Education and my assumption is that if the left was 
that determined to keep her out, uh, she may really be a very good choice, and it may be that her willingness to support choice and education uh, is the real deal, that she really will try to make it so that people in the center city have a choice in education, whether it be a voucher, charter school, whatever. Uh, it's interesting that Democrats do not like alternatives to their government schools that are controlled by public sector unions and supply increasingly a huge percentage of the political war chest of the left. Uh, the, the, if we can break that monopoly of government schools so that, say, in Washington, D.C., uh, a charter school could once again, a system could operate, uh, that means that the public sector union dues are going to decline, obviously, because sure. uh, those charter schools are hardly going to operate with union uh, controls and make-work programs and uh, all the rest. Uh, what was the one of the first things President Obama did when he took office? It was to zap the D.C. charter schools and, and throw those children back into the maws of the government unions and the government schools. That's the tender mercies uh, that they had for supposedly their own constituents. The Bible says that the compassions of the wicked are cruel indeed. And I would submit that uh, Mr. Obama was very wicked when he did that. You, you know, I agree. And as I sat here listening to you, it just amazes me, your perception over all things. I mean, you are the executive director emeritus, of course, of the Gun Owners of America, folks. This is Larry Pratt. You know him. I mean, he's been all over media for uh, forever. I mean, he's the guy behind uh, he's the guy fighting. His organization is fighting for our rights under the Second Amendment. Um, and I would urge everyone to become a member of the gunowners.org, Gun Owners of America. Please support that organization. If you do nothing else, do that. But it's amazing. When I heard you talk about this, how many things like education and all of these things that the left are doing or have done, and we're seeing now kind of, we're, we're seeing a strategy play out here. And I, I like how you connected that larger strategy beyond guns even. Just We've had to deal with it in terms of the the government school monopoly uh, very strongly tends to support a very powerful educational technique that's designed to weaken support for the Second Amendment in our country. Zero tolerance, uh, which I think is really a better name, zero thinking. <laughs> Uh, but the idea has been that if you see a gun, that's just terrible. We can't have guns around. And so what we used to have in our schools, and, in, and I know for a fact in the District of Columbia, they still have buildings that used to be used as schools that still have the shooting ranges in the basement of those buildings. Yep. And students went there for junior ROTC, perhaps some other club uh, that was organizing the shooting uh, training, and that was just a commonplace. New York City, one of our members uh, mentioned that he had gone uh, to school around that time, say in the 50s or so, um, 50s and 60s. He had gone to school with a sheathed rifle on the subway. Wow. But the, the schools have done their job, and of course now 
if a youngster were to go on a subway, probably wouldn't even get onto the train. Uh, but if he did, uh, you can almost be assured that every entrance and exit of a subway would be sealed off with a SWAT team, just a kid with a, a sheathed rifle. And yet there's still parts of our country where, uh, in spite of the law, kids go to school with uh, guns in their vehicles because typically after school, on the way home, if it's light, uh, they're going to go and see if they can bag a rabbit or some other critter. Uh, before they get home. So uh, it's it's still something that exists in uh, uh, sort of a shadow of itself. But let's face it, we had a time in this country when guns were part of life, they were accepted, and the problem is not that we have guns available now. We have fewer guns available now, especially for school-aged children. Obviously, something else changed, and we would argue that the education system has become one of the big enemies of the Second Amendment, and that's why I felt comfortable segueing right. to some discussion of education, because they're trying to train our children uh, not to want to have anything to do with guns. Guns are inherently evil, and it's not the evil people that do anything, mind you. It's not nutty people that should have had some, perhaps some medical attention. Uh, and sh- perish the thought that there's an absence of uh, moral instruction that says there are certain things that are good and there are certain things that are bad, and you, you better not be engaged in those bad things or we're going to take appropriate action. Exactly. Uh, well, that- you know, we can't do that. Exactly. And, uh, boy, what a great, uh, temporary stopping point here. We're at the bottom of the hour. Our guest is Mr. Larry Pratt. We are so honored to have him as our guest. I, I look up to this man. I mean, I, I really respect him. He is the executive director emeritus of Gun Owners of America. Uh, GOA is a national grassroots organization representing more than 1.5 million Americans dedicated to promoting their Second Amendment, our Second Amendment freedom to keep and bear arms. We're so fortunate to have him for one more segment to the top of the hour. Um, and again, I, I've followed this man and his work and now, uh, Eric, uh, uh, Eric Pratt. Wow, man. Do not get away in between Eric Pratt and, uh, like CNN with the, uh, who don't have the facts. Uh, he'll run you over. Great job. Great organization, folks. Give us three minutes. We're going to be right back. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. This edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our very special guest, Mr. Larry Pratt. He is the direct, executive director emeritus of Gun Owners of America, GOA, of course, national grassroots organization representing uh, 1.5 million Americans. It's the front organization to keep uh, to, that 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 promotes, allows us, or or helps us uh, fight the uh, gun grabbers in D.C. And he's got such a wide range of knowledge. I'm, I'm just so impressed and so uh, humbled to be talking with him. And, of course, his son now has taken the reins as the executive director of Gun Owners of America. I would urge everyone to visit uh, the website, gunowners.org, to check out some of the really cool um, uh, interviews that uh, with, with Eric Pratt and the CNN host. I mean, you talk about owning the turf in, in the uh uh, propaganda war. Eric Pratt has done that. Before we get back to Mr. Mr. Larry Pratt, I just want to mention that, uh, we are so proud to offer Texas Ready Seed Banks. If, if you're, if you are a prepper out there, you better have seed banks and you better have a good one and you better have one that's regionally appropriate for your area. Well, TexasReady.net provides just that. 
TexasReady.net, they're our go-to company for all things seed-related. They have regionally appropriate open-pollinated heirloom seeds. Most seed banks don't take into account geographic differences. This does. They do. They use only certified seeds. Most companies don't because they cost more. But you know what? Texas Ready believes that you are worth it. Indeed, you are. They think... uh, uh, they think that, that their customers are indeed worth it. We think our listeners are worth it. And germination rate on their seeds is just absolutely outstanding. And if you don't know how to garden, they've got the solutions. All you need to do is, uh, well, there are larger banks come with training manuals which teach you how to garden properly. Each Texas Ready Seed Bank contains 80-plus varieties of vegetables and fruits, including a dual-purpose er, um, herbs for culinary and medicinal purposes. Folks, visit TexasReady.net. That's TexasReady.net. Tell them Doug and Joe Hagman sent you. Now, um, Larry Pratt's our guest, Executive Emeritus, as I said, of Gunners of America. Uh, Larry, what's the best thing people can do right now? I'm, I know you've got an email list, which is your action center, but tell us about that. Uh, is it- well, we're a grassroots lobby, and what we mean by that is we uh, necessarily need to involve uh, our supporters, our members, to become engaged and put the heat on members of Congress to do the right thing. One of our favorite uh, politicians of the past was Senate Majority and sometime Minority Leader uh, Senator Everett Dirksen, who was rather fond of and well, he had a number of interesting sayings, but the one that we've latched on to kind of explains our philosophy of lobbying is that uh, when I feel the heat, I uh, see the light. And uh, when a politician tells you something as um, incriminating as that, uh, it's an admission against interest, I think he was telling us the truth, uh, certainly on that occasion. That's how the system works. Yes, we try to present information in a, a, a an understandable fashion, uh, but it's a lot more compelling if we come in with a big stick uh, and they... Uh, for instance, probably one of the nicest things we hear from some of the staff up on Capitol Hill is, oh, from Gunnar, yeah, we've been getting your email. Uh, <laughs> and it's not just that it was coming from me. No, 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 no. It was coming from people in their district. Those are the people they cannot ignore. Uh, if it's a congressional district, we make it so that uh, only the people from their district are getting our request to communicate with that member of the House of Representatives or the same, in the same fashion from that state. So they know that these are not people just uh, from who knows where, uh, from uh, a business office in Vienna, Austria. No, no, these are people from their constituency that uh, want them to do something or not do something. And so that's been our uh, way of operating, our way of getting things done. It greatly augments what we can do up on Capitol Hill with our individuals from our office because they, uh, the folks on the Hill know that when somebody's there from gun owners, he's not just there in his own little suit. He's there representing scads of people back in their own district, and that's why they pay attention. Uh, it, I think it helps that we try to make knowledge acceptable. We try to present the facts in a logical and coherent fashion so that if they decide they are going to do the right thing, they will have the information in a fashion that they're not going to be embarrassed if they pick it up and retail it as their own. 
And that's the ideal. That's exactly what we would like them to do. Indeed. Okay. And that's, that's a great grassroots basic strategy, I suppose. Um, all right. Looking over the current, uh, playing field of, uh, people, uh, the politicians and such, um, and also the media. There's, there's just, I mean, there's so much to talk about. And I had a list of questions I was going to, I was going to ask you. Now I was looking at the questions and I'm thinking, you know, there's just, it's, it's, as you said, a target rich environment, but, well, uh, I guess one of the questions that bothered me when I was thinking for this, uh, thinking ahead for this interview was, what is one of the major or most, um, uh, what's the biggest fake, uh, that's not even the right way to, the, 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 the worst lie about guns, gun ownership, second amendment, or whatever that's being peddled out there within the uh, mainstream media? What's, what's the most egregious, uh, issue that, that you, your organization has, has got to fight all the time? The um, the media has tried to portray uh, the notion that somehow crime, violent crime, is increasing, and it's not uh, unusual for us to encounter somebody often in the media who is totally flummoxed when we point out no, actually, violent crime has been going down in our country for the last 20 years, even as more people are owning more guns per capita. So there's a total increase in the stock of guns in the private sector, and each one of us is owning more guns per person than we did uh, 20 years ago, and yet violent crime keeps going down. They cannot get their head around that because they're just convinced that everybody is like they, and if a gun is available and they get mad, which they do often, and they lose control, which they do too often, uh, well, they just grab that gun and start shooting. And they don't understand that the American people are not like that. The American people have shown time and again that they're extremely responsible in the handling of firearms. In those states that require a concealed carry permit to carry a concealed firearm, you find that the people with those permits uh, commit violent crime five times less, uh, or put it more accurately, the police commit violent crime five times more uh, than those who have the concealed carry permits. These are the choir boys and girls of our society, right. and we should be encouraging people to carry concealed firearms because crime goes down when the criminal has some doubt. Uh, you know that Dirty Harry question uh, to the dirt bag. Of course, Dirty Harry had a forty-four Magnum on him, but. Uh, they had just had a shootout and maybe Dirty Harry's gun was empty, maybe it wasn't. And the punk was looking at a gun that he'd dropped on the ground and kind of thinking maybe he'd reach for it. And Dirty Harry says, well, are you feeling lucky, punk? Well, the punk didn't feel lucky. Turned out the gun was empty. Yeah, I just, I just exactly gotta know. I just gotta know. <laughs> and if you don't know, uh, you decide, just like the punk did, maybe it's not worth the risk. And so crime goes down because the one rational thought that is shared by criminals and non-criminals alike is you don't want to get hurt. Of course. And uh, the criminal wants to operate in a pain-free environment. And if he thinks it's going to hurt him or kill him, then he's not quite so eager to go and pursue his career of crime. 
Absolutely. Would you, you know, if we can stray a tad from this, um, but this is kind of in the same ballpark as everything else. Um, one of the issues, and, and I, in case you didn't hear this about an hour before, well, 45 minutes before showtime, the, uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, big surprise here, uh, sustained the lower court, uh, against, uh, Trump's immigration, uh, Oh, I am shocked. I tell you, I am shocked. Are, are, are you, yeah, I, I knew, I, I knew that that would come as a big surprise to you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a three, three zero, but, um, the uh, immigration problem, it seems like the same allies on the anti-gun are pro-immigration. What, what, what's the mentality or the, uh, what, what's the link there? I, is it all for the progressive there is a link. Absolutely, there is a link, and we have uh, seen this as one of the concerns for uh, those advocating for the Second Amendment. The illegal immigrant uh, that comes into our country typically, like 80% of the time, is going to vote Democrat when he uh, ends up being able to vote legally or illegally. And that's something that means uh, a growing force, as these illegals uh, increase in number, a growing force that will be voting against the Second Amendment, because that's what Democrats do. There are a few exceptions, but uh, except for maybe Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia, there really aren't any consistently pro-Second Amendment Democrats in Washington, and precious few at the state and local level. So the left has been advocating the the influx, the invasion of illegals, because they see it as a political tool. They don't care about these people. They, uh, they, they just see them as a Tool that they can that can be used to manipulate the political system to their benefit, and conversely, we see uh, that same uh, interest in illegal immigration as something that is immediately, directly adverse to the continued enjoyment of the Second Amendment and the ability. By the way, the Second Amendment is for resisting tyranny in government. The very thing that the left in general and anti-gunners in particular uh, would really like to put over on us if they thought they could get away with it. The Second Amendment stands as a silent watchman and guard against tyranny in government. And if they get enough illegal uh, aliens coming into this country and then giving them the vote, uh, well, then our Second Amendment goose is probably cooked. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and I like how you kind of wrapped that all together because that's 100% correct. Folks, our guest is Larry Pratt. He's the executive director emeritus of Gun Owners of America. Go to gunowners.org. That's gunowners.org. And please sign up for the newsletter. Get on the emailing list. And that's their action center. It doesn't cost you a dime, right? It doesn't cost right. you anything. That, that email is free. So we really strongly encourage people to Take advantage of it. I, I got to ask you, Mr. Brad, and I promised myself I would ask you this, and hopefully you don't mind answering this. Now, you've been, uh, this organization has been around for, my goodness, uh, how many About years? 40 years. Okay. Um, I, I, this is just strictly uh, kind of a fun question. What's your fondest, what, you, what is your fondest memory of your leadership of this organization? What's, what's your proudest moment or fondest memory of this? I 
think it probably might be the battle that followed the terrible massacre at the unarmed, gun-free zone school in Sandy Hook, Connecticut. And we knew that it was going to be kind of a repeat of Columbine, something that was just dreadful. And it also tends to make us rather angry because it's substantially avoidable. Uh, but minutes go by uh, and nobody is able to protect themselves. And in just five or ten minutes, one of these dirtbags can kill a lot of people. And they, uh, the left has insisted on keeping these as disarmament zones. So when the uh, tragedy occurred in Newtown, in Sandy Hook, we, uh, the Sandy Hook School, we uh, knew that it was going to be a battle. And, in fact, it was a very serious battle when a Republican Senator Toomey and a Democrat Senator uh, who had campaigned as pro-Second Amendment, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, teamed up to expand the waiting period to all transactions involving firearms. Now, I realize I'm probably uh, swimming upstream on this issue, and that's why I'm glad I can bring it up. The, the background check does not stop crime. It may keep a criminal uh, or somebody with a criminal background from getting a gun at a store, but it doesn't keep him from getting a gun. And that's what we, I think, have to keep in mind, uh, that we would be better off getting rid of the background check and making it less burdensome for the good guy to get a gun because it's the good guy who's the only one that's burdened by the background check, not the bad guy. And it's a false security. And it's a very expensive false security because we've got a large bureaucracy with enormous computer banks uh, processing all this information, all unconstitutionally. Shall not be infringed doesn't have an exception that says, except you have to wait to get a gun until some bureaucrat can approve it. Now, uh, do we really for a second think that uh, those involved in journalism, in the First Amendment, would brook for a second uh, some bureaucracy to approve uh, editorials, news broadcasts, uh, or they might approve it for sermons, but not for what they themselves do. And yet, perfectly fine for them to take another one of the protected freedoms uh, in our Bill of Rights and say, but there, uh, that's so much more dangerous. Forget Mein Kampf. Don't think about things like that. Just uh, We know that guns are inherently dangerous. Now, actually, liberals with anger management problems are inherently dangerous. And I'm not suggesting a waiting period on liberals or background checks on liberals. I'm just saying let's everybody uh, operate in the zones of freedom that were intended when the Bill of Rights was adopted as part of the organic uh, structure of our government. And uh, I think that's uh, that's going to stand as well if we can uh, realize that the First Amendment uh, brooks as few exceptions as does the Second. And right. once we uh, get to that point, hopefully we're going to see not only no more gun control coming, but we're going to get gun control off the books. We shouldn't have a Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. They have no uh, constitutional authority whatsoever. Not only is it banned 
what they do by the Second Amendment, but it's not included in the Tenth Amendment either, which enumerates those things, or it says anything that was not enumerated otherwise in the Constitution may not be done by the federal government. And it's been quite some time since we used that as the touchstone for public policymaking. Interesting. Yeah, and I agree. The ATFE is, at least from a regulatory standpoint, uh, even an enforcement standpoint is is really it's uh, they're not constitutional, well, right? And their most significant and well known achievements are the murder of a uh, hermit family on top of a mountain in Idaho, where they shot a boy in the back and shot the woman holding a baby in the head. Um, yeah. They also distinguished themselves by torching about eighty women, men, women, and children in Waco. And they've had some other atrocities in their background along the way. Bad constitutional policy makes bad things happen. And the reason we have those protections against this sort of thing is precisely because our founders realized that power of too much of a sort like this in the hands of particularly a central government where it's harder to keep track of and to control is going to lead to bad things happening. They learned that from the king, and we should not forget the lessons they had learned. You're exactly right. In the waning moments here, I've got to ask you, what do you see in the future? I, You know, there's a tendency of people, I, I guess I'll just preface it by saying this, there's a tendency of people uh, to say, okay, uh, Trump's in office, now. things are going to get better. Wow, we, we dodged a bullet, perhaps we have. But then that is kind of... Um, uh, that's not exactly 100% true because of the fight we still have to engage. And, and uh, that, that's why I'm sure organizations like yours might see, oh, well, a, a dip perhaps in, in, in membership. Um, I've talked to people in the preparedness business. They see a deep a dip in uh, people preparing. Man, now's not the time to, to, to sit back. Now's the time to double double down, join groups like yours. Um, because who knows? But what do you see in the, in the short term, long term with Trump Biggest battles, biggest concerns, uh, or perhaps even biggest victories. What, what's well, under- let me just uh, move on, uh, on from the very point that you were making. If we don't take the advantage now of the opportunity we've been given, we have. I think we should look at it as no more necessarily than a four-year reprieve. We don't really know what's going to happen in the next election. We can hope, and we can hope that Mike Pence will carry the banner after Donald Trump is no longer eligible to be in office after eight years. But we don't really know that far in the future. So we had better take advantage of the Republican dominance now of the uh, structures of government here in Washington to roll back so many things that have been done that shouldn't have been done. Uh, the, The National Concealed Carry is one area where I think we really should be putting emphasis, but we should be talking about getting rid of agencies. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Farms, and Explosives should not be transferred to the FBI or some other place in the Department of Justice. It should just be dismantled and done away with. Uh, It is a totally unconstitutional agency with a bloody background, and we're making a big mistake if we leave it where it is. It needs to go. 
uh, frankly, the FBI isn't. Uh, I'd like to know where their authority is in our Constitution as well. Uh, we should be going after all of these agencies, and if not, if we don't have the oomph at the moment to get rid of them all together, we need to be cutting their funding drastically. There's one thing I've noticed here in Washington in the many years I've been working here with Gun Owners of America, there are no volunteers inside the Beltway. They're all getting very well paid. And if we can slash budgets, believe me, they're going to go somewhere else. Uh, and they won't be just necessarily going to the Beltway banded consulting companies that feed off of the federal government. If the federal government doesn't have money to give them grants and contracts, they go away too. The whole swamp gets drained through the power of zero funding, or at least greatly reduced funding. So I think that's one of the significant avenues that we need to be pursuing during this moment that we have. Uh, and also keep in mind that, uh, well, I am very glad that Donald Trump is our president. He was not our first choice. We didn't see him as a conservative. I think we somewhat uh, failed to appreciate that his giving money to Hillary Clinton did not necessarily make him a liberal Democrat. He was, after all, doing business in New York City, and as a matter of paying extortion, he had to do things like that. But that wasn't really clear in my mind until I've seen the appointments that he's been making and the executive orders that he's written to tear up previous executive orders. And so we're very pleased with what we see. Uh, and I'll be the first to admit that we didn't uh, have him completely pegged right. Uh, Ted Cruz was our guy because Ted Cruz had stood up eyeball to eyeball and faced down Harry Reid and members of the Republican caucus who did not want to cut back on the federal Leviathan. And he held them to account, made them vote. Boy, oh boy, do they hate that when they are going to be on record. So I think we we may or may not have somebody who really is philosophically, consistently a conservative, but we do have somebody that is clearly anti-establishment, who thinks that the establishment has been driving the country into the ditch, and he's here to bust it up. Well, uh, that may not be a uh, highfalutin, uh, free market economic uh, philosophy uh, based in the philosophers of centuries gone by. But I'll tell you what, those are pretty good instincts. And so far, uh, he's been doing exactly what uh, we would have hoped uh, somebody might do if they ever did get into that position and were, quote, on our side. So we think we need to encourage this guy. We need to hold him to account if he does go off the reservation. He and other Republicans have su supported gun bans for people that are on the no-fly list. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. The no-fly list has no due process. <clears throat> when Senator Ted Kennedy gets his name, when he was alive, on that list, you know that there's something wrong. He maybe should have been on a no-drive list. <laughs> He wasn't the kind of person that you put on the no-fly list. In fact, we'd have been better off if he'd had to fly everywhere instead of driving himself. Uh, so, you know, the no-fly list is is really a brainless effort, uh, a, a worthy objective, controlling terrorism. 
but it's not the way to do it if we're going to remain a constitutional republic. There are courts of law, and if somebody looks like he shouldn't be flying, and or if he shouldn't be buying a gun, take it to court. That's what they're there for. Very interesting. Larry Pratt, thank you. Uh, the icon, really, the icon of gun rights of the Second Amendment, uh, the organization keeping our Second Amendment uh, alive. Larry, Platt, Larry Pratt, thank you so much for your gift of time, your gracious gift of Great time. Great to be with you. Thank you so much. Appreciate right. it. And, and give your son my best. We're praying for him. And, uh, thank uh, you. In, in your organization, all right, folks. Uh, wow, what a great, what a great man, uh, Larry Pratt, the director emeritus for the Gunner of the Gunners of America (GOA). Folks, go to gunownersofamericagoa.org. That's, uh, or I'm sorry, gunowners.org. What am I saying? Gunowners.org. Go there. Sign up for their mailing list. It's an amazing tool that you'll glad you you'll be glad you you'll have, you you will have in your arsenal. And I'm just going to get a little bit uh, a little bit less tongue tied here during the break. Coming up uh coming up is Dr. Michael Lake. Going to be an interesting pro interesting rest of the program. Stay right where you at. Innovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right? You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about eight ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof, and it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Perhaps you're a business out there, a small business. Would you like to extend the reach of your business? I bet you would. Would you like to, to have the same opportunities as companies such as Omaha Steaks, Pro Flowers, and Casper Mattress, and some of the bigger companies out there? Would you like to have that same power? Advertise on our program. Go to HagmanandHagman.com or send an email to opportunities at HagmanandHagman.com. If you go to HagmanReport.com and HagmanandHagman.com, there's a link where you can, you can, you can, it's a big red box. You'll see it. You'll see it. Click on that link. And go ahead and read the benefits that we have created for you. I think it's I think it's a fabulous opportunity.
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. Of the Hagman and Hagman Report, we're just so lucky, so lucky to have such great guests on. Um, if you didn't catch it, the segment before Larry Pratt, Gun Owners of America. Um, wow, you talk about some some very interesting times in which we live. In fact, uh, speaking of interesting times, Dr. Michael Lake is here. He's the author. Here, check this out. Hang on a second. For those watching on YouTube, hang on. For those listening on the radio, you're going to have to just pretend you know what I'm doing. All right. Ah, there. Okay. See, I had to reach over and I, uh, Dr. Michael Lake's got, uh, two fantastic books. All right. The Shinar Directive. Boy, is this a good book. This never leaves the officer studio. Eric, to the text over there going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I, I had to wrestle this away from him earlier. And then, of course, uh, this book right here. The latest from Dr. Lake, the Sharith Imperative. These two books are incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible books. Uh, the Gates of Hell Shall Not Prevail. We're just, I'm just going to leave it at that in terms of the Sharith Imperative. We're going to be talking with Dr. Michael Lake here just momentarily. I'm, I just want to send a message out there to business owners. Well, I, I shouldn't say business owners. If you manage a business, if you own a business, you, cer- you certainly manage it. And if you own one, you certainly have, uh, if you've got employees, you certainly manage employees. But anyone out there in human resources, uh, you know, the one of the challenges that we face is managing the records with respect to human resources. Um, I got a special message for you. I got, a, I got a great website for you to go to. Go to right now bamboohr.com. That's bamboohr.com. You know, if you're responsible for the human resources records or personnel records, as I like to call them, in the paperwork for your company, it's chances are you're, you're feeling pretty overwhelmed, especially as we get close to tax time. And the more employees you have, the, the, the more overwhelmed you may feel. Well, uh, the daily grind of resolving payroll issues, answering questions, putting out fires, chasing, chasing down data, filing and all that is made so much easier by bamboohr.com. What is that? Well, it's the number one <clears throat> HR management software for small to medium sized businesses. It's one simple central system for keeping organized and detailed records for every employee and automated, automating countless tasks 
in human resources. Ladies, guys, you know the task I'm talking about. And, you know, this is great because it's accessible via the cloud at, from any location at any time. Do you have confidential salary history? Histories filed, for example, in paper files in your in your office? No more. Bamboo HR will secure the data and keep accurate records for you. This is so simple and so delightful to use if I can use it. Look, you don't, you don't even need any instructions. We use here at Hagman Hagman Studios for human resources for personnel, Bamboo HR. We are satisfied clients of BamboohR.com. Now we have a limited time offer for you. Jump on board. Come on in. The water is fine. Right now you can try Bamboo HR for free for 14 days. You can kick the tires. You can check under the hood, take it for a spin. Just visit BamboohHR.com. Click on the mic. Enter our code HH to get a free two-week or free 14-day trial. Try it and you'll wonder how you ever got along without it. Human Resources, HR Paperwork Solutions, made easy. That's BamboohHR.com. Enter our code HH. You'll certainly be glad you did. You'll be thanking me later. Uh, again, with us is Dr. Michael Lake. Dr. Lake, thanks for joining us. It's been a while, but I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're on, on with us. It's good to be back on. It seems like it's uh, been forever. There has so much happened Yeah, uh, yeah. In, in the United States since the last time we spoke. Yeah, I'd say a few things happened. Um, there was a presidential election. We had a change of leadership, uh, among other things. We've had some good things, some bad things. But you were pretty prophetic. I use that term deliberate. Well, prophetic, yeah, I, I guess that's the proper term. When you, when you were on our show last year, and you said God, but essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, that uh, that God was going to give us a reprieve or grant us more time, um, you were right. Apparently, ostensibly. Well, I want to show you how God uses your show and, and so many others like this, because we even go back a year before that. And I think it was November of uh, 2015. Uh, we were sharing about some things, and I said, here's some things that we need to do. We need to ask that God would forgive the sins of the Luciferian elite, that he would forgive the sins of those in politics, because the kingdom of darkness operates on the power of sin. And then ask God to reveal, let everything hidden be revealed. And my goodness, has it not been revealed in an unprecedented way this last year? Oh. And because, because God's people begin to pray, they begin to respond. Uh, God began to show my wife and then confirm through me because I was seeing the same thing that, uh, you know, time is linear, but what we kept seeing is there's been an, an added loop of time, uh, that God is adding uh, to the timeline, if you will, because we have sought him, because we have we have awakened out of this techno-saucery slumber that Mystery Babylon has placed on us, and we begin fighting back against globalism and returning back to the Word of God. Now, one of the questions I get asked a lot is, you know, how long is this loop going to be? Doug, that's up to us. You know, people want me to say, you know, two decades, three decades, three years... But it really, if, if we go back and go back to sleep and do not be the watchman on the wall that we're supposed to be and pray and stand up and declare righteousness, if we, if we go back to sleep, this could end tomorrow. But if we will rise up and begin to do the things that God has called us to do, this could last for several decades. Wow. To think that. So, 
Okay. Well, allow me to ask this because we see the we see the the media just ripping apart Trump. The media saying that he's uh, unfit to run the country. We see riots breaking out. The, the the insanity of the progressive liberal mindset in these um, in these uh, uh, anti-fascist groups, Antifa uh, or Antifa, and other groups, the Soros groups, funded groups. They're 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 just poking at the system with a big stick. Um, you don't see anything like like that igniting, perhaps like a civil war, despite the appearance of a reprieve. I think that they're trying to push us that way. But if we keep praying and we keep pressing in, I think God can put a lot of this to rest. You know, and and most of this is is, is the uh, the um. Demonstrations are not organic. You and I both know this. Right. That they're being paid for by George Soros and many other groups. And so if we'll keep praying, what, what I think we're going to see is that everything that they try to do is going to fall back on themselves. It's, it's going to trip up and fall right back on them. Uh, regular news media is looting, losing all credibility. And you, you see, uh, a lot of what's going on right now in the political arena, when the when the when the politicians get up to speak, they're not even making sense anymore. And so I, I think it's really going to help. I, I think that the prayer is making a big difference. I, I'm I'm glad you said that. I I believe that too. I apologize. I, I just had to say something with tech off air. Um, yeah. I no. I I, I think I think you're right. Um. And I think we have been given this reprieve, uh, but you know what, pa- uh, Pastor? You know what, Doctor Lake? I, I've I've heard from a lot of Christians who who, and I, I'm interested in how you would handle this, um, or how you what kind of response you'd have on this. Uh, this is one of the questions I I made sure I wanted to ask you because we we are getting absolutely torn up with through emails from evangelical Christians who say, you know. You, meaning us, you are putting too much stock in, um, and I want to be, I want to be accurate here, but kind of paraphrase this accurately. You're putting too much stock in the man, Donald Trump. Um, we are under judgment. Donald Trump is part of that judgment and accusatory, uh, type emails against us. I'm not sure if that makes sense to you, but are you getting, well, let me ask, does that make sense to you? Well, you know, it's kind of hard to shift gears when you've been, you know, beating one bandwagon long enough. And if it had not been for the the level of repentance in the body of Christ, we would be heading for judgment of God. But because because God's people have begun to cry out and begin to seek his face, and I really believe with this election, and I I made this statement here a couple weeks ago to to another one that was interviewing me, and it... uh, he almost took it the wrong way, but I think there were there were unprecedented numbers of Christians in America praying. Okay, but what I get around the world is that there were almost more Christians praying outside the United States than inside, because we all sensed that if uh, the Democratic Party had won, that world globalism, the 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 trap would have been sprung. And what God is doing right now, and, and I, I believe this with all my heart because I've sought him on this, he's telling me that one last time, he's going to put their face in the dirt. He's going to put his 
foot on the back of their neck and say, before you let, before I allow your man to rise on the scene, I want you to know that I am Almighty God and you are not. And I, I really believe that. Is there judgment coming? Yes, there is going to be judgment coming, but not before God gets his harvest and there is a revival. We, brother, we need to have this. The body is not ready for the return of Messiah, and we have got to have the revival fire for us to be ready for him to come back, and that is what this reprieve is about. All right, and there it is, folks. To those people who have written me emails, I think that, that summarizes. I'm just going to let let uh, Dr. Lake speak for me. I mean, there it is, that summarizes it. But, but it's up to us now to make, to, to make hay while the sun shines, to, to, to take advantage of this reprieve, this respite, and, and we cannot let up. We have to pray as hard as before, harder than ever before, with more fervor. And we've got to... Um, pick up the mantle and this is something i believe that we've got that we've got to do as well we've got to fight now that we've got allies on our side and and i and i apologize for taking the time your time away from you but it's my belief uh, dr lake is um with if if we don't as christian men reclaim the leadership position in this country um i was going to say i was going to echo jeremiah right but we you know, shame on us. I guess is the is the, the the least offensive way of saying it. We need as Christian men, as men, and as Christians, and as Christian men, and as conservative Christians, we need to we need to pick up the fight and continue fighting. Right? Absolutely. You know, the the elite have worked for uh, well over a century to develop a system that puts us all to sleep. They have worked on on reducing our theological seminaries to where they're not even giving meat anymore. They're training them to provide cotton candy and M&Ms every time that we have service, and people do not want the meat of the word. They've not been trained that way. And so we've got this. We got a big thing to turn around. And I've, I've been trying to turn that bus around by training aspirants of the gospel ministry now for over 30 years. But what I'm seeing is the pew is beginning to wake up. And I think the pew is going to begin demanding, you teach me how to do spiritual warfare. You teach me how to have authority in my home. You teach me the depth of the Word of God, and if you don't do it, I'll go find someone who will. Right. And so there, there's going to be a drastic change, I think, in the entire landscape uh, of the church. And uh, I'm already hearing from pastors. I had one pastor that was so tickled. He said, our, our format is I only get to preach a half hour. And he said, there's such a hunger in my congregation that they've, they've asked me to preach an hour or more at a time. <laughs> Unprecedented. And, and he was excited. And I think we're going to start seeing that more and more across the body. That's fantastic. And I do hope that. It saddens me, uh, Dr. Lake, and, and um, at least it me as in my capacity as a Christian, when I get emails saying that, um, and, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm too responsive, or I shouldn't be responsive to this, but uh, people who tell me, you know, as a Christian, we are to be harmless as doves, okay, and they use that as an excuse, essentially to roll over and to take whatever is given to us by the state. I'm not sure if I'm kind of wandering in the weeds here, and I don't mean to if I am. 
But I look no. at I look at this and I'm thinking Christianity is not is not passive, right? It it never has been until the last those centuries, so where they have trained us to be. Okay. Uh, I remember one particular story uh, at the founding of our nation. They had run out of the wadding uh, to use in their muskets as they were firing, and they ran into the church. And their their hymnals was kind of their way they learned doctrine. And so the pastor starts handing out hymnals and says, "Let's teach them right doctrine." And it was at the end of a muzzle. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> You know, the, the truth is, if, if righteous men do not stand up and have a voice, by default, we give the world over to darkness. Right. And, and, and the truth. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Lucifer is, right, in, in the absence of, of Christian, or in the absence of any power, uh, there's no, there, there cannot be a power vacuum. It's either going to be filled with good or bad, or, right? Exactly. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'll stop. No, that that's right. Uh, nature abhors the vacuum, and in the spirit realm, there is no vacuum. It's either the presence of God and things being established by God, but when we quit taking our authority, we quit we quit preaching the gospel, calling men to repentance, you might as well just go ahead and invite darkness to fill the land, because that's what we're doing by our inaction. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, Dr. Lake, I'm going to, it, by the way, folks, we're talking with, in case you're joining us late, we're talking with Dr. Michael Lake, his website, Kingdom Intelligence Briefing. Go to kingdomintelligencebriefing.com, bookmark that. It's in the program description. Uh, Biblical Life TV. It's, it's on YouTube via, uh, Biblical Life and Biblical Life College and Seminary. And that's biblical-life.com. And, Fantastic resources there. And of course, his two books, The Shinar Directive and The Sharith Imperative, required reading as far as, uh, I'm concerned for the, the audience of the Hagman Hagman household. This is, these two books are collegiate level, doctorate level, uh, uh, resources. This is for, for today's Christian. Fantastic material. Um, so having said that, uh, and, and I want to point again, point this out. You had been very prophetic in your in your talks in your information um, last year and even the year before, kind of laying out where you thought things were going to go if we prayed. If if thing, uh, so if you want to capitalize more on that, you go right ahead because I think you were ahead of your time. And I, I was, I, you know, when you reminded me of that, it just brought back the floodgates of memories from our previous interviews. Well, you know, I think God revealed to my wife and I both the direction that we knew that things were headed. But what I don't want to underscore, and and this is this is essential for all your listeners, the power of alternate media with like the Hagman and Hagman show, and and I went on a lot of other shows. It was a it was a call to spiritual arms for the body of Christ, and it provided hope. I believe very strongly that there is hope until the Lord comes back. You know, and people fight about when exactly the rapture is going to be. My head's going to be down and I'm going to be working in the kingdom until that last trump sounds. And I think that is the call for all of us. 
that I'm going to be standing in my authority. I'm going to be proclaiming the gospel of Christ. I'm going to be declaring what is righteous and what is sin and constantly pointing back to the kingdom of God and the word of God. And what I, what I believe is that God has used you guys and so many others to help wake people up and stir them to prayer. You know, the Word of God says that my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear and I will heal their land. It didn't say that all the politicians had to do it. It didn't say all those in government had to do it. If we do our part, God will do his. Interesting. And, and I'm ex- interesting yeah. you said that. Interesting you said it didn't say all the politicians have to do that, but the people do. Absolutely, and I'm seeing consternation in a, a lot of the left side that uh, their rhetoric isn't working anymore, and, and the mass media, their mind control techniques are not working anymore. And uh, it, it's, it's because God's waking us up. And, the, you know, you and I that are older, it's our duty before God to train up this next generation in everything that we know so that if the Lord tarries, they can stand on our shoulders and take it to the next level. That's right. Amen. No, you're you're absolutely right. The the landscape out there right now. Uh we've got about uh oh, we we have a good five minutes before the bottom of the hour. What are your thoughts right now on the landscape, the political landscape, as it relates to what you've written about? And, uh, what you've spoken about prior. I mean, in kind of a nutshell, just to set the basis for the rest of the interview, what's your, what's your thoughts of how far we've come? Um, time clock. We were pretty close to the, the midnight hour in many ways striking as far as going into a one world government. Yeah. Uh, they had lulled the body of Christ to sleep. They have a generation uh, are educational centers. Secular ones are no longer about education. They're about indoctrination. Uh, they have moved us from a thinking people to a feeling people because if we're moved by our emotions, we're easily manipulated. But someone who has been trained to think analytically will sit back and pray and look at all the facts and they won't allow emotion to move them. They allow the facts and the presence of God to move them. And so I, I think we're going to be required that. Uh, I also see that right now they're, they're pulling out every stop. They're going in panic mode because this isn't just happening in America. It's beginning to happen around the world that people are rejecting globalism because their version of globalism is just what I outlined in the Shiner Directive. It, it is It is Plato's Republic. But we need to remember that Plato's Republic, there are two modern visions of it. One was Huxley's The New World Order, or The Brave New World, and Orwell's 1984 were both their visions of, of the, of a possible implementation of Plato's Republic. They want to reduce us to no more than drones operating in the world under the foot of the military that keep us into place while they live and reign as kings on the earth. Exactly. How exquisitely detailed is that? And in, in, in thank you for, for that uh, synopsis. Because we, this world, uh, if you think back to 
we'll say the fall of last year, we were rushing headlong. And the last time you were on, on the air, we were rushing headlong into a super global one world order. Now, that's not to say it's not going to happen, of course. Uh, you know, we know that the, the bumps along the road, but boy, I'll tell you something. Uh, we dodged a, a huge bullet. It would, it would appear, um, this past election, this past November. And that really, that really put a wrench in the plans of the globalists. But they're not stopping, obviously. No, no, they're not. They're going to readjust and they still have a lot of, uh, triggers they can trip. They can, uh, they can cause the derivatives markets to go down. They can crash economies. They can, they can do a lot of things besides, uh, having their person in the White House. You know, the, uh, by sharing the Shiner Directive too, and this is a quote from Dune, <laughs> that they always have plans within plans within plans within plans. Yeah. Uh, but the only thing that can trip that up is a sovereign move of Almighty God. And see, I'm not trusting in Trump. I, I think God can use Trump, and I think one of the reasons that he can do it is he is a nationalist versus a globalist. But I, I think what will keep him moving in the right direction is the prayer of God's people. That, to me, is is perhaps the most important aspect. If if Really, if no one else takes anything away from tonight, and I can't believe that, that that would be the case, but we need to pray for our leadership. We need to pray for Donald Trump, and we need to pray for our... Uh, Dr. Lake, would it be wrong to say pray for our country? I mean, we, we, we pray for the fate of our country, right? It's okay. We're praying for the fate of our country. Uh, we need to pray for every cabinet member he's putting in. Right. Uh, I was delighted today to see that Jeff Sessions uh, got yep. the attorney general position. And, guys, we need to lift him up in prayer. Uh, I, I think that God may end up tearing this whole thing down by just revealing the pedophilia rings uh, that are across the nation. One of the things that we learned is the, the Brotherhood of Darkness. The two things they use to primarily fund their operations is illicit drugs and child trafficking. Man, you hit you hit the nail on the head. When we come back from this break, I do want to share with you or ask you about um, we don't have to get too deep into this, but but the the information, the um, the revelations that are coming out day by day by day, and I think there's going to be a lot more with sessions being confirmed today. Uh, I do believe that's going to set off a chain of events. And I was talking with Alex Jones this past Monday that um, we, we've seen. A, I do believe that we're going to see a, a series of events that's going to op- blast things wide open. Now it might not get to the Hillary Clinton level, but it's going to get pretty doggone close, I believe. And uh, so after after the break, we're talking about that as well as. Uh, more from the Shinar Directive, more from the Sharif Imperative, and uh, some very specific aspects from both works. Talking to Dr. Michael Lake, his website, the uh, I'm sorry, KingdomIntelligenceBriefing.com. That's KingdomIntelligenceBriefing.com. Bookmark that website. Dr. Michael Lake's our guest, folks. Give us three minutes. We'll be right back.
Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's a, It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow. It's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? New Year from all of us at Training Post in the Woods. We pray you have a healthy, safe, and prosperous 2017. And we would like to thank all of you for welcoming us to the Hagman and Hagman family. You're all a very wonderful and special group of people. Because we believe it is so important for you to work and acquire good health this year, we're going to do something that we've never done before as a thank you to you for your support. We're going to make something available that we believe everyone needs. During the month of January, anyone who invests in their health by purchasing either our American Heritage Remedies Kit, our Survivalist Natural Remedies Kit, or $200 in individual remedies of your choice, we're going to give to you our crisis remedy just in case for free. Your health must be a part of your preparation plan. We're here to help you with that journey. May God bless y'all, and may God bless America. Happy Happy New Year! Year! This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Whether you're listening to this on BTR, Blog Talk Radio, or if you're listening to this on uh, the Global Star Radio Network, uh, or if you're watching this live on YouTube, if you haven't done so already, please, please, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That gives us a, a hedge of protection, a hedge of elevation, but protection. Uh, with elevation comes protection. And uh, we are being, look, folks, there's no, there's no secret. We are being censored uh, through... Many different, in many different ways. 
And I know you might think that sounds trite and say, well, you know, no, you're not. Well, as a Christian-biased radio broadcast, we are. And that's one thing, even to the point where you have to watch title and tags on, on videos because they will censor you. And, uh, of course, if, if you're a Christian show, they will, they will censor you even more. And, uh, so please bookmark, or, uh, not only bookmark our website, but also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And also, and the same goes, same goes with every guest that we have on. If they have a YouTube channel, Dr. Michael Lake, for example, subscribe to whatever YouTube channel he's got. For example, um, he's got, uh, He's got a couple of them here, and I, and I mentioned to you. In fact, they're in the program description. But tremendous resources. He's got uh, Biblical Life and Biblical-Life.com. So, uh, but, but the YouTube channel is Biblical Life. Subscribe to that. And also bookmark his website, Kingdom Intelligence Briefing. Before we get back to Dr. Michael Lake, TradingPostInTheWoods.com. Folks, the, another site to bookmark, uh, TradingPostInTheWoods.com. I've always wanted to have homeopathic style uh, supplies available to me. You notice how I stalled there? Because sometimes you got to be you know, a little gun shy at what you can and can't say when you talk about homeop- homeop- homeopathy or homeopathic remedies. But think back when your grandparents were alive or uh, think back at, at way back when, when there were no pharmacies, there were no CVSs, there were no... Uh, uh, no, I mean, you had to rely on home remedies. And I'll tell you, some of the home remedies were are, are more, much more effective than today's drugs, the pharmacia, of course. Um, TradingPostInTheWoods.com, they are our go-to company for all things off-the-grid type of uh, supplies. They're an American family-owned and operated company formed from their skills and knowledge that they gained by responding to over 18, 18 major and countless minor disasters all across the world. And, and they, what they learned was most disaster victims don't even have enough food and water to survive, let alone the med, uh, medicinals needed to save your life. Well, they created something. It's called the Simple Survival's American Heritage Remedies Kit and other natural alternatives to provide for a host of maladies when there are when there's no doctor or pharmacy for miles around or in the event of supply disruptions. I would not do this company justice. I ask that you go to tradingpostinthewoods.com, check out what they've got. We have we have their supplies in our pantry. In fact we, we use some of their natural um uh products. I'll just leave it at that and find that they work a lot better. Than anything else we've tried. That's tradingpostinthewoods.com, tradingpostinthewoods.com. You're not going to want to miss that. Bookmark that site, visit that site, and make sure you tell them you heard, heard about them on Hagman and the Hagman report. Dr. Michael Lake, thanks for, thanks for holding on. Revelations every day. Absolutely. And, uh, you have to pray to keep up. Yeah. It, uh, there, there's so much unfolding, not only prophetically, uh, about, you know, preparing for the coming of the Lord. But now I think we're having to really pray just to readjust. Because we were heading into judgment so quickly. I mean, that the door was just about to close on it, Doug. And God's people began to do what the Word of God commanded for us to do. 
And now we're beginning to see a change. But it's now going to require us to really roll up our sleeves and go to work. Uh, it, it's more important every day what I do. It's more important every day what you do, uh, what other pastors are doing, uh, probably than previous generations, the last several generations. Because we're going to have to prepare the body for the returning of the Lord. We are. Th- that's a heck of a responsibility in my view. And, and I take that with, I look upon that with sobriety and with very, I, I mean, that's a very heavy, that weighs on my heart a lot. And the message that we have to, we're just the messengers here, you know, um, but, but there's a lot, there, there's a lot here. There's a lot we have to pay attention to. And by the way, folks, the Sharif imperative is really a tactical, is really the tactical manual for God's remnant in the last days. Um, it's a companion to the, the Shinar Directive, but it stands alone by itself, the tactical manual for God's remnant in the last days. Um, we, we have, you provided blueprints in both books of what we need to do and the blueprints about what's taking place. Feel free, uh, feel free to, 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 to move forward with advance the discussion and, and tell us or Take this where you want to take this right now, because there's so so many places we can go. Um. Well, what I've been trying to do with both these books, and and one bills on the other, and I'm currently working on another one uh, called the Kingdom Paradigm, because we have been put to sleep for so long, and our and the Word of God has been watered down for so long that uh, there's going to have to be a major paradigm shift. We're going to have to discover. Uh, what past men and women of God had learned, uh, you know, in, in Spurgeon's time and, uh, Andrew Murray's time. I look at those and I, I find meat in what they write. And we're actually supposed to be more advanced than, or even Pember with understanding, uh, Genesis 6. We're supposed to be, we should be more advanced than them, but somehow or another we got taken from first year of college and we're still, we're back playing in kindergarten again. And so one of the things I did in the first book was saying, okay, here is, here is a overview of, uh, the, the Nimrodian plan that was put into place that the elite have been working on now for millennia. And then the second one is, I'm ex, you know, besides being in, in ministry, I'm ex-military. And so one of the things that I, I did learn in military is that whenever you come against a, a another force, you have to, disrupt their communication lines and you have to disrupt their supply lines. If you do not do that, you have no hope of crippling the advance of the enemy. But because we have been disenfranchised from so much of the word, the average believer today does not even know what empowers the kingdom of darkness. If you don't know what their supply line is, you have absolutely no hope of impeding their progress whatsoever. What is their supply line? Well, it's, we, we have to go back at the, the fall of Lucifer. Now, when Lucifer fell, he used the five I wills, and, and I postulate in the first book he tried to create the pseudo-grace to facilitate his ascension, but what it did is it corrupted his anointing and made it into something else. The Bible says that when he fell that iniquity was found or discovered in him. And the Hebrew word there is aval, almost sounds like evil. 
And it literally means that now within his nature there is this anointing that there is violent deeds of injustice against anything that has to do with God's leadership, God's ways, or God's rule. But you also have to think this thing out a little bit. Now, Almighty God, when he created the Hashemayim and the Haaretz, the heavens and the earth, it didn't expend any of his energy. His energy is an endless ocean of power. He is all-powerful. It, it didn't take one drop of God's energy to create everything. But Lucifer's not that way. He's a created being. In fact, the prophets tell us that Almighty God set a fire on the inside of him to begin devouring him from the inside out. And now he's created this iniquity force that's going to empower this kingdom of darkness uh, that he's now establishing. In fact, one of the things I, I put forth in my new book is I, I like to kick over a lot of sacred cows. First of all, it wasn't Lucifer in the garden. The Nechesh was a, was a seraph. Lucifer is a cherub. They have very different roles to play in, in what they were created to do. One guards the holiness of God. The other one proclaims the holiness of God. So the Nechesh in the garden lured Adam and Eve into partaking of the forbidden fruit. They were infected with the iniquity force, but because they were made of earth, everything they receive gets multiplied in them and can be drawn as a harvest. So literally, Lucifer needed humanity to power his kingdom and the more that we allow sin to go rampant, the more power and energy we provide the kingdom of darkness to plunge this world into chaos. That's why the preaching of the gospel and the call of repentance always causes darkness to wane within a society, but when the gospel and the ways of God are, are suppressed, then the iniquity force is in ascension, begins to rise within the population. And, and Doug, you and I both know that there's a very thin veneer between absolute savagery and chaos and civilization. Very thin, yes. Very, very thin. And it's maintained by the righteous. True. And go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, please continue. And this this is so connected. And as I begin to dig this thing out, the the elite have always known about this concept of the iniquity force. They know it's what what empowers the kingdom. In fact, I want to read a, a quote from Manly P. Hall, which has been hailed as probably the greatest philosopher Freemasonry has ever produced. Listen to this. And so tonight, guys, if you're a Freemason and you're a Christian, that should be an oxymoron, but let's let's just go on. Uh, I want you to understand the goal of Freemasonry in your life. He says, when the Mason learns the key to the warrior on the block is the proper application of the dynamo of living power, he has learned the mystery of his craft or the very purpose of his craft. The seething energies of Lucifer are in his hands, and before he may step onward and upward, he must prove his ability to properly apply 
energy. So the whole purpose of Freemasonry is to tap you into that iniquity force, and those that go on beyond 33rd degree are those that prove that they can manipulate that force to alter reality. Okay. Okay. Now let's add on that uh, Albert Pike and Morals and Dogma. Okay. Because this is going to tie in because the uh, the personification of this iniquity force is a little guy we call the Antichrist. Okay. Uh, Albert Pike and Morals and Dogma said, There is in nature one most potent force by means whereof a single man who could possess himself of it or should know how to direct it, could revolutionize and change the face of the world. This force is known to the ancients. It is the universal agent whose supreme law is equilibrium, and whereby if science, science, CERN, D-Wave computer, all these different things going on, could but learn how to control it, it will be possible to change the order of the seasons, to produce in night the phenomenon of day, to send a thought in an instant around the world, to heal or to slay at a distance, to give our words universal success, that they may reverberate everywhere. I believe it was for morals and dogma, at least my opinion, that this is where George Lucas got the concept of the Force. Wow. Because he also goes on to say that this force can uh, be used both for good, it can be used for evil. Okay. When, when, when you look at what they, what, what they had done, and I think a lot of this is connected to even the Watchers in Genesis 6 and all that Steve Quayle has, has, has done. In fact, I'm uh, going to be able to be with them in a conference here in Branson in September. I'm excited about it. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be there too, by the way. I just, uh, people don't really know. I'm not sure how many listeners know about that, but uh, we're going to be down there as well. So. But now I'm really excited. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. <laughs> this is going to be fun to see you, meet you, you know, see you in person. But, uh, but what, what, they've, what, they, what they've done is they knew the Watchers were going to be released at the beginning of the 20th century. So they embedded three things uh, into the uh, to the philosophy of humanity in the 19th century. One was something called evolution. <laughs> very, very pagan. The second one was eugenics. And it's actually in the family because the guy who introduced eugenics was the cousin, I believe, of Darwin. And then you have Blavatsky introducing spiritism. And it's actually from her writings that they envisioned the UN. But all those came together in a perfect storm in Nazi Germany. Uh, the women of Vril began channeling these beings from uh, an alternate dimension. It, it played into their concept of hollow earth and began giving them advanced technology. Nazi Germany was head and shoulders above the entire planet technologically at the beginning of World War II. They had jets. We still had, uh, plane, you know, our fighter planes were still prop planes. Uh, they invented the TV. They invented so many different things. Mm-hmm. But they knew there was something more. And the women of real, the, the, the four things that they used to try to learn how to, to master this force was they used mind-expanding drugs. 
They used meditation and mental exercise. They used yoga, very important about awakening the kundalini spirit. And they learned to channel sexual energy. Now, that that's something you don't normally talk about in, in, in Christian company, but we need to understand that every aspect of the occult is about harnessing and channeling sexual energy. Even Freemasonry is built upon Egyptian sex magic. We had an explosion of it in this country in the 1960s that was called sex, sex drugs, and rock and roll. Yep. And so all this was coming together, and they're, they're still learning, and I, I think there's the esoteric side of things where they're learning how to, uh, to tap into that force and how to increase it within society. And just look at the day after the inauguration of our president, what went on with those women that were supposed to be having a march for their rights. Uh, it was very profane with many things that they were doing, many even the way they were dressing. You can't even say uh, uh, over Christian television what their pink hats represented. Right. It, it was so vulgar because within them is churning this iniquity force so that it could begin to try to empower what they're doing. That's why our prayers are so important. That as we pray, as we begin to ask God to forgive them of their sins, to plead the blood of Jesus over them, and to begin repenting for our nation, it pulls the plug on their power source. And now instead of everybody following it saying, oh, yes, they're right, everybody's saying, this is the weirdest bunch of garbage I've ever seen in my life. It's true. Yeah, Dr. Lake, I was on the phone with um, Steve Quayle earlier this week, and this is right after I did a video where I referenced that uh, that Sea of Humanity, um, the Women's March, and uh, the protests thereafter. I, I made a, made a tongue in cheek reference, or at least that's what I said to Steve, uh, calling them Amazonian, and uh, th- that was a reference to a tongue in cheek reference to to a um, cultural thing. Uh, uh, comedic cultural thing, but having said that, he uh, he's he kind of stopped and he said, "You know, ask Doctor Lake about that." I because he, he said I was just I was recently talking with Doctor Lake about just this very topic, and you mentioned Steve Quayle, and then you mentioned the the this women's march for the inauguration. So yeah, what are we seeing here with this with this Amazonian group of women, and what did I miss? when I reference them as being tongue-in-cheek Amazonian. Well, whenever you look at, um, even with the Watchers, one of the, the, the very um, beginning of sorcery, and, and this goes back to the Book of Enoch, which is a pseudopigrapha book. It was actually written uh, maybe a century or two before Christ came. It was, it was very much a part of, of their of their eschatology and their understanding of, of the way things work. Uh, in it, it said that the Watchers taught their women sorcery. That's the that that is the that is the beginning point. They taught them how to tap into this force, and it's even um, connected uh, to the soul tie that they had with these fallen angels that allowed them to increase. And I know that uh, Bill Snevlin talks about when he went so high up in Illuminati. Uh, that he had to marry and 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 uh, consummate the marriage with a with a fallen angel, and it changed him completely. 
uh, even changed, I believe, his RH factor on his blood, which is supposed to be impossible. Uh, but the the occult is the matriarchal system. Biblically, God's way of leadership is a patriarchal system. Uh, in fact, in Isaiah, Isaiah tells them, listen, as a part of a curse, if you leave the ways of God, women and children will lead you. Uh, there, you know very well there's been CIA white papers on how to manipulate societies, and they found out that women are, are more apt to tyranny than men because you push a man in tyranny so far, and he'll raise up the fight against it to protect his family. But what better way of disconnecting a woman from a mother's heart than to convince her that uh, that she can go ahead and, and that baby's not a baby, that she can kill it on the altar of convenience, uh, the altar of Molech. Molech was the god of prosperity and the god of pleasure. And, and in those acts, it's disconnecting the woman from her heart. And that's part of what you were seeing in, in, in the vulgarity. Uh, in, in, in that protest was these women have been disconnected from their heart and they've been connected to the iniquity force that is surging through them and there were there were things I considered oxymorons going on that here you have half the women going topless and saying we have the freedom to do that and the other half were saying no we need to come under Sharia law yeah and no 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 if, if you were doing the other in Sharia law they would cut you to pieces and so it's like there's no connection to reality because there's this high on the iniquity force that's going on in their lives. And we're going to see it with Black Lives Matters. And from a believer's point of view, I'm to the place to where I don't see race because I understand Genesis 6. There's one race, the human race. Now, if you start showing up and you're nine feet tall and you have six fingers and six toes on each hand and foot, that's a different race. But the color of, of a man's skin does not say he's, he's not, it's that we're not a different race. We're, we are a variety of one race, just like there are a variety and, and different colors of roses. And when all of us begin to function in the kingdom of God the way that we should, it becomes this wonderful bouquet of beauty before the Lord. And each one of us have our own distinctives Almighty God put there so that we could enhance one another. And the enemy wants us to divide us up and to get us pitted against one another because if we had ever come together, we'd come against him. Okay. It is, and just to take what we saw with respect to these massive women's marches, um, I look at I look at um, I look at this as more of a uh, almost like a hail mary by the globalists, or or uh, uh, I'm not sure an end around by the globalists based on the uh, based on our reprieve through Trump. I'm not even sure if I made sense with that, but but it's almost. Um, Kind of when when a, when when a stream hits a rock, it's got to go one way or another, and it, the the march kind of went that way, or at least the the, um, the march reflected this different tactic or this adaptive tactic 
of the globalists. I don't know. It just, it just. Well, well it, it is, and I, I guess what this so blows me away is you have all these white people getting mad at everybody else that they're white. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, 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 but it's done by white leaders. Exactly. Uh, you can even look at the last time I, I checked, now it's been a while, and so this may have changed, but the, what the head guy for Black Lives Matters is his salary is paid by George Soros. Yes. And the man does not have the dark tan, okay? In fact, he's a Nazi collaborator, and then they're calling everybody else Nazis. They're, they're pulling out every stop, trying to see what sticks. And trying to see who they can sweep up in the, 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 the power of this force they're trying to generate. And the only thing that's going to stop it is not a military force, although, you know, the cops are doing their job and the military is doing their job. But man, if we start doing our job and start praying over these people. That's right. We're not going to get traction. Well, exactly. And folks, what I, what I really love about Dr. Michael Lake, his works, is we, we, you know, Steve Quayle comes on, uh, Russ Dizdar, Paul McGuire, so many luminaries in the, in the Christian book field. Uh, his books, The Shinar Directive and The Sharif Imperative, kind of tie all of those together. And this really, um, well, b- both, you know, the Sharif Imperative is an advance, advancement from the Shiner Directive, but both really are tactical manuals for God's remnant in the last days. Folks, we're going to be right back. Give us three minutes. Stay right where you're at. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. 
For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for your belief and your trust in us as we walk through this minefield of current events together. Um, in case you missed it, I just want to give this little shout-out. In case you missed it earlier today, or about 45 minutes before showtime, the uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, surprise, surprise, um, they uh, extended the, the restraining order against the immigration Executive action by Donald Trump. In other words, what I just what I just said was they said, "Hey, you know what? Trump's full of it." That's basically what they said. He can't do that. And uh, tomorrow we're going to be talking to Greg Jackson about judicial supremacy, the joke that that is, and how you cannot have a court make a decision that impacts. For example, you can't have a. a well, we'll talk about it tomorrow. But but the the news is. The uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals against, you know, what a surprise that was. Oh boy, said no to, to Trump. Now, one or two, or a number of things could happen. They could take this to the Supreme Court, who knows? Uh, or it could, um, they could do some other things. I've got, I've got in my mind, I'm thinking that there might be something else in the works here, but more on that tomorrow, just to give you a little news update on that. Before we get back to Dr. Dr. Michael Lake, folks, if you haven't done this already, do this. You need a rocket stove. I would bet you if I walked into your uh, pantry of preparedness, I'll bet you you don't have a rocket stove. Or if you think you've got a rocket stove or a cooking appliance, it's not a Minuteman rocket stove. These are the best of the best rocket stoves. And you don't skip. It's one thing. Yeah, I, I learned this. If you hire an attorney, you, you don't skip on, on the quality of your attorney. If you if you have a doctor, you don't want to skip, skimp on the quality of your doctor. Same with accountants. In products, you don't want to skimp on your preps. Minuteman Rocket Stove, the best of the best. You will not find anything like this out there. You know, in these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable way to cook your your uh, storable food, uh, heat water, and what have you. We all need a way to cook. This is the way. A Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution for your heating 
cooking needs. It's a small, lightweight wood burning and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. A little bit of wood is all that's needed if you're in the middle of uh, Brooklyn. I guarantee you, you can find enough wood twigs to power this up to full capacity. It's because it's so efficient, it cuts down your wood gathering needs. Don't rely on gas and fuel stoves. No, don't do that. Because eventually the supply will run dry, and burning wood inefficiently requires a lot of manual labor. The Minuteman solves all those problems. It is a 50 caliber ammo can that's got that's tremendously insulated, refactory insulation. It's got a seal lid, so it stores uh, without any odor. It travels the travels well, 14 pounds, got a carrying handle on it. It's virtually indestructible. It comes with a two-year warranty to date. No, nobody has taken advantage of that. Plus, it serves as our troops in Afghanistan and Iraq. That is MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Get yours today. Don't put it off. Get yours today. And tell them Doug and Joe Hagman sent you. I want to welcome back Dr. Michael Lake, the Sharif Imperative. By the way, I wrote the forward to, to the Sharif Imperative. I've never felt so humbled and so afraid <laughs> in writing anything in my entire life. I, I read the Sharif Imperative, and it is one of the greatest books I've I've read when it comes to, uh, well, a, t- a tactical manual for God's remnant in the last days. But I want to ask him right now, with respect to the Sharif Imperative, Dr. Lake, can you describe, well, you describe a temporal paradox in which God uses time itself against the kingdom of darkness. You wrote about it. Can you tell the audience what you mean by that? One of the things I did in the book is I um, unified superstring theory with the Bible. And, you know, superstring theory basically tells us that there's 11 total dimensions. Uh, I think they forget dimension zero, uh, which should be uh, where Tartarus, hell is. It is a place of incarceration beyond dimensionality so that there is no expression uh, within any of the three heavens. And then show where the, the second and the third heaven uh, kind of fit, and we call it hyperspace. But when you're reading the Word of God, I, I believe that Genesis 1-1 is a statement all in itself, and then after that there's a recreation process going on because of the fall of Lucifer. And so you have the immortals that were operating in the first, second, and third heaven were one. Uh, I believe that they were divided after the fall of Adam uh, when there was this flaming sword kind of hanging in the air uh, outside the garden. I think that's what divided the three heavens. I know that uh, Dr. Chuck Missler and many others believe this. But one of the things that we miss is on the very first day, God said, let there be light, but it, light is really a fourth-day principle because that's when the sun and the moon and the stars all came into existence. But when you begin understanding basic physics, light, the existence of light and the speed of light is connected to something called time. And so over this 11 spatial dimensions, God adds a 12th dimension called temp- the, the temporal dimension or time. Now, imagine, if you will, that, you know, Lucifer and those that originally fell with him, we don't know just exactly how many fell with him when he originally fell. And I I think that what we see in the Word of God is a progressive falling away, uh, that when we get to the book of Revelation where it talks about when 
Michael casts him out of the second heaven. He draws one third of the angels. That's at that time. Everything in the in the book of Revelation is pretty well linear. You know, that's that's not a kung fu flashback or uh, that made people kind of say that that is a parenthetical verse that is a kind of a flashback to his fall. It's not. That actually belongs exactly where God's word put it. But imagine so. Here you are, and you're beginning to create a kingdom, and you don't even know what time is, because up until day one, time doesn't exist. The moment that God said, light be, he created the, 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 te- the temporal dimension, and he forces all these immortals, as well as man, that we have got to go through time linearly. But when you understand the omnipresence of God, the moment before God said, light be, come off of his lips, he filled all time and space. He's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He's still on the cross, and he's kicked back in the millennial reign because he fills it all. And so now Lucifer is limited to going through time linearly the same way we do. That's why the Almighty can take him by surprise. The Apostle Paul says, if he would have known, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. He had no idea what was going to happen when he crucified Jesus on the cross. So, you know, you you and myself at our age, we kind of look at time kind of as an enemy. Right. Because we, we, we know we have an expiration date and it's, it's coming on us a little quicker than we want to have it come on us. <laughs> but at the same time, when Michael throws him out of the second heaven, the Bible says he comes down with great wrath because he knows his time is short. In other words, this rebellion has an expiration date. And God has limited him to playing checkers while Almighty God's playing three-dimensional chess. Okay. You had me at string theory. But, well... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, let me revisit this paragraph because, wow... Um, I'm gonna have to, uh, have to ask Eric the Tech to give me some duct tape to wrap my head around. I mean, put around my head uh, because you, you said that you said a whole bunch of stuff here. First of all, we, we do have a lot of people that write us about string theory in physics, and you, you said eleven dimensions. But but how many? Let me let me just ask: How many dimensions are there? Period. They postulate there are eleven. There, they say there's ten spatial dimensions and one. Temporal, which would make twelve. Add, yeah, when I add, I add the, uh, the 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 zero dimension for hell and Tartarus, and so it comes up with twelve. And see, twelve is the is the number of biblical authority and governance. Okay. And so when God created time, He said, "I'm going to bring this thing back under the control of the kingdom, and I'm going to control the conflict." And, and, and yeah, and that was that kind of led me into this question with respect to time, because uh, my my, uh, my science professor, uh, physics professor, used to say, "Well, God created time to make sure everything doesn't happen all at once," and that, that always stuck with me. In a sense, I, I there was something true about that statement, it, it, but you explain it even further. Uh, when you when you talk about the uh, temporal paradox, but but God so God created time, or time was created by God, 
as an instrument of ju- judgment? Control. Control. So we have a controlled conflict. And you know this also goes back to how do we date the universe? Because the earth existed outside of time. Mm, okay. And that actually throws carbon dating and a lot of things completely out the window, as well as uh, the speed of light has not been constant. They have now discovered that uh, uh, that it was in, in times past. Uh, Chuck, uh, Dr. Chuck Missler says that in Abraham's time it could have been a thousand times faster than it was now, which means the passing of time was different. Okay. And if you don't mind, continue on with that because th- th- there's some relevance here with the, with the passage of time being different now. Um, yeah. Well, the, you know, the Bible says in the last days God will shorten time. Well, the slower the speed of light goes, the faster time goes. And so, if the speed of light is slowing down, time is actually speeding up. Right. And it's it's not just a phenomenon of getting older. <laughs> and, isn't, uh, and isn't isn't it uh, more than a coincidence? Uh, uh, the scientists community or scientific community just came out with saying, "Well, time's not a con- or uh, the speed of light is not a constant." Uh, oh, we just discovered that now. But that's what you said. The that's what you wrote about. It's actually well, I shouldn't say not exactly like that, but isn't that interesting? The timing of that statement. Oh, absolutely. And, and one of the things I also show is that based upon, uh, you know, you exist in the first, second, or third heaven based upon uh, your resonance to the speed of light. And so if, if you're in a third heaven reality, what would be a day there is a thousand years here. But what's a real possibility is if you're in dimension zero where hell, Sheol, uh, Tartarus are, what is a day to us may seem like a thousand years to those in hell waiting judgment. Wow. And, and folks, now admit this, viewers and listeners. This is fascinating, isn't it? I mean, you've got, and this is, this is the Shinar Directive and the Shemitah, um, I'm sorry, the Sharith Imperative. The Shinar Directive and the Sharith Imperative talks, Dr. Lake talks about this, writes about this, and makes it easy to understand. But this is just, so, the time differential in the um, third heaven, second heaven, that this is what you mean by this. Exactly. <laughs> the differentials. Wow, okay. And how did Nimrod, how does this apply to Babylon when Nimrod was attempting to or learning to build cities going back to the time of Nimrod that aligned with the uh, we'll say the principalities and powers in the second heaven. You, you write about that. What's that about? When when Nimrod corrupted himself, and, and in fact, when you you look at the word, it says when Nimrod became a gibberim, uh, halot are the uh, Hebrew and and uh, Aramaic lexicon of the Old Testament says that it means the primary meaning is to corrupt or pollute. But what I found really interesting, and I, di- I discovered this after writing both books, you know, you keep on digging, that it also can mean untie. And so did Nimrod discover a way of untying his DNA so that he might insert new information? And he corrupted himself that he became a gibberine. The, the Septuagint says he became a giant. 
and the uh, the transhumanists have already speculated you begin adding in animal DNA to humanity that our perception of reality begins to completely change that we may be aware of higher spatial dimensions uh, there's a reason why witches want, want cats around because they can they can they can sense the spirit realm and they can they'll react if there is a demonic spirit in the area and so when Lu, when when Nimrod fell it was very possible that he could see higher spatial dimensions he could also see where the veil was thinner between the first heaven and second heaven and part of what what happened i believe with the tower of babel is they he began drawing information from principalities and powers and it's very possible that it was there that these principalities and powers fell because while they were given a position as a part of God's council to watch over man and govern over man they discovered the power of when men worship them like uh, Dr. Gods. Michael like gods okay and that's why uh, Dr. Michael Heiser in, in his book uh, he shares that in the Psalms where it says that uh, the, when when God came down and judged that they were divided in you know 72 different groups and it was according to the B'nai Elohim the, the number of the sons of God God had divided up humanity with these principalities and powers that, that Nimrod had come in league with and said I'm going to go ahead and, and they're, they're going to follow you they're going to worship you they're going to lead you but out of Babylon I'm going to find one man you can have these 72 nations that just formed but I'm going to find one man that I'm going to call out of Babylon and I'm going to make for myself a nation. And his name was Abram. And so we, we see the power of that. But one of the things that uh, that I think with the Tower of Babel and we, we see other cities of power is they build them to align up with certain stars. Uh, they, they, they have, they, they'll have occultic uh, things built within the, the mechanism of that city so that they can begin channeling information and power from second heaven realities to help them govern men. Nimrod was able, Doug, Nimrod was able, uh, the, the scope of Babylon was, was awesome. Uh, it was probably 200 square miles. It, it had a 450 foot wall. He had 12 palaces across it. The, the crown jewel was the Tower of Babel where he thought he could actually war against God. But because of the technology and the power that had been given to him from these principalities and powers. Wow. Now we, we, we see, uh, we see images of it in, in London. We, we see reflections of it in the Vatican. We receive, we see, we see uh, in, in Washington DC all the occult things that are embedded into the very architecture of the city. All that was forged in Babylon at the Tower of Babel. This is amazing. Okay. Which, uh, and if I, if I'm correct, if I understand this correctly, and, and I hope I do, I mean, I've read your books and, um, the building, the, the aforementioned alignment, um, the, the, Deliberate construction 
with with respect to Babylon, and as you mentioned, the more modern cities. Um, well, let me turn this into a question for the listeners out there, and for me too. What separates the access? What separates the access from, like, we'll say, the second heaven? Or what separates the access to the second heaven, period, or question mark? Well, I think God's put a barrier there when, when he divided it up. Although these these immortals can move back and forth, uh, I think principalities and powers, they're, they're not into uh, possessing. Angels do not possess humans. Demons are a completely different class of being that can only have expression in the first heaven by possessing something principalities and powers is like the prince of Persia that we see in Daniel they they may mentor someone to take power but they prefer to be the puppet masters okay over a nation over a people group and empowering them to do what they do okay uh, and in fact in the occult they they have uh, the model that goes all the way back to Hermes Trismegistus and I get to this in, in my second book uh, as and above so below right when you line yourself up with that principality or power and what he's doing and his very character in the second heaven you can begin manifesting that power and the corruption that goes along with it in the first heaven uh, that principles all over Washington D.C. all their reflection pools will will manifest that hermeneutic principle uh, of, of as above so below. Interesting. It's a basic Masonic principle of building. I, I'm going to toss this out here because I, I'm sure I'm going to get a question like this. Do, do you believe? Do, do you believe that? Uh, I'll, I'll just I'll use Donald Trump as an example. Do you believe, uh, Dr. Lake, that Donald Trump has any knowledge of what you're talking about with respect to the occult nature of, well, in this case, uh, the reflection pools that, uh, or the occult nature of D.C.? That I have no idea. I'm just uh, curious. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, there, one of the things that, that has come out about him is that he's not in all their secret occult clubs. And so, to me, that's a good sign. Of course. Because he, he, there's no record of him being a part of Bohemian Grove or any of the other organizations. He was on the outside looking in and seeing what they were doing to this nation. And I, I really think, from what I can ascertain myself and just reading interviews and watching different things, that he has his children and his grandchildren in mind and would like for them to live in the America that he lived in growing up. And that—that's that, the honestly. This is how um, Christianity. It, it, you write about how Christianity is unfolding or infolding itself into Lucifer, Lucifer's plan in the Sharif Imperative. But we're seeing how Christianity is, in this case, I just want to be correct. Uh, is Christianity is being uh, re-energized? Or what's a better way to say it? Um, well, well, I, I guess this speaks to the reprieve that we're that we're seeing in, in a larger sense, with respect. When, to when when we become light and we become salt, we drive back darkness, 
and we prevent things from becoming rancid. Right. Uh, there's even a direct correlation. Uh, Paul writing on the Antichrist, he said there's this mystery of iniquity. And everybody gets into, you know, he that withholdeth shall withhold until, you know, the time comes. And we have tried to read the church into that. We have tried to read the Holy Spirit into that. When it's not used anywhere in the context of those scriptures, he's tries it. And I wish, because he said, you know, I've taught you all this before. I wish I'd have had Cliff know what he taught them that wasn't in his epistle. But the, the main line is, listen, there's a, there is a mystery about iniquity. And most ministers don't understand how the occult operates, that there are satanic wounds and incubators that they, that they maturate their magic in and what they're trying to do. And then when it, when it's time for it to give birth to, then it's released. And I think what he's showing there is that the mystery of iniquity is they've got to get the earth to a certain place. They've got to get iniquity to a certain place on planet earth with enough people charging it that the earth itself becomes a satanic womb or incubator to maturate the son of perdition. And just like a woman's womb begins to move out of the way when it's time to birth that child, it will then it will then release him. And I think Lucifer is the one watching over this process because he knows he has one shot. He's restraining him until everything's right and he is at the zenith of his maturation before he is revealed. That's why revival and preaching the gospel can postpone the revealing of the Antichrist. But are, are you, did you just say, in essence, this is kind of a numbers game in a way? It is. It, it, it's a numbers game. How many of us are praying? How many of us? Because the only antidote for the mystery of iniquity, Doug, is another mystery. There's only two in the Bible. The other one's the mystery of godliness right. in the heart of the remnant. I see what and, you're there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we have this reprieve, because we all hit our knees, because God put an urgency on us. And this is the, the, the second book is a clarion call. Don't go back to your lazy boy recliner spiritually. It is now a call to prayer. It is a call to fasting. You know, in Jesus' day that the average uh, Jew or even the average believer after the, the, the establishment of the Nazarene sect that followed Jesus, they fasted two days a week. It, it, yeah, on the other side, I want to ask you about the importance uh of, of fasting, because you do touch on this um, in, in your in your work, the Sharif imperative. And folks, just to be clear, uh, I, I just want to let you know this: uh, the Shinar Directive, which is a fantastic book, preparing the way for the Son of Perdition, explains it. it kind of lays, gives it a lay of the land, it tells you how things happened in the past and how things, well, preparing the way for the Son of Perdition. But this is a tactical. Uh, if you will, a, uh, a, a tactical manual, instruction manual for today for the God's remnant. So these two books together, and for those listening on Global Serve BTR, I'm holding up both books. These two books together are key to understanding, in my view, um, what we need to do today and, and how we got here, why we got here. They're very complementary to the Bible. And if you want to expand your knowledge and connect the dots with writers like Steve Quayle, and even uh, Mark and David Flynn, for example, 
these are these are the way to do it. Dr. Michael Lake is our special guest. We're going to be right back. Stay right reactive. It's three minutes. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Uh, Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to MasterPreps.com. MasterPreps.com. Wow. Uh, MasterPreps.com, the sponsor of our show, MasterPreps.com. That's MasterPreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely. Eric's a... It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? From all of us at Training Post in the Woods. We pray you have a healthy, safe, and prosperous 2017. And we would like to thank all of you for welcoming us to the Hagman and Hagman family. You're all a very wonderful and special group of people. Because we believe it is so important for you to work and acquire good health this year, we're going to do something that we've never done before as a thank you to you for your support. We're going to make something available that we believe everyone needs. During the month of January, anyone who invests in their health by purchasing either our American Heritage Remedies Kit, our Survivalist Natural Remedies Kit, or $200 in individual remedies of your choice, we're going to give to you our crisis remedy just in case for free. Your health must be a part of your preparation plan. We're here to help you with that journey. May God bless y'all, and may God bless America. Happy Happy New Year. Year! This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Welcome back, folks. Dr. Michael Lake is our guest. And, you know, Eric and I were, were just, we were talking uh, during the break about what Dr. Michael Lake said. And, you know, it, time got time got away from us, and he said, hey, 
we got like five seconds. And then the countdown. So, um, I mean, it's e- even behind the scenes here. We're we're talking about uh, some very interesting things. I, I do have a uh, Dr. Lake. I have a question from a listener, and I'm going to toss this out. You don't have to answer it right now because we we were on a thought before the break. But if you want to, um, he's a longtime listener, and he said, "Can you please, in capital letters, ask Doctor Lake about his views on the theory of retro casualty?" Now you don't have to answer it right now, but that's so. I don't want to keep my promise. I said yes. I sure I would ask him that question. Uh-huh. Um, I've never, I've never heard of that, but I'm going to write it down and, and do some research. Okay, all right. Thank you for that, uh, long-time listener. And uh, it, it's an interesting, it, well, it's interesting nonetheless. Uh, retro casualty is a theory, but uh, we were talking before the break. By the way, uh, Doctor likes two books, the Shiner Directive, and I, I would order these as a set, honestly. The Shiner Directive. Um, this is mandatory reading for. Uh, I, I say that tongue in cheek, but not really. In the Sharif imperative, both of these books are extremely important to understand. You know, you, you look out at the headlines, you look out at Drudge Report every day, you, you see what's happening here in America and across the world with the globalist, globalist agenda. Doctor Lake's been on talking about it. He and I do have to give him a lot of credit because if you go back and listen to the, the and I'm going to do that. I'm going to I'm going to pull the uh, previous audio. Uh, he lays out where we're at today in previous programs of a year plus ago and it's interesting to see where we're at and in order to understand and this is what we always say dr lake in order to really understand today's headlines you have to look at it through the prism of bible prophecy in scripture you do that and it's through that that gives us greater understanding not just as human beings but as christians and especially as christians to understand the lateness of the hour because everyone talks about that it's almost a trite no you know lateness of the hour and then before the break we we're talking about we we just mentioned about the about fasting and i always found that fascinating about the importance of fasting you talk about that as a tactic as in your book um and i also want to touch on uh, in addition to the fasting other trite things like well put on the armor of god um you make a very interesting and compelling argument in your book that the that personal holiness uh, is an extremely important uh, is extremely important in one's life, uh, the life of a believer, and it's directly connected to their ability to wear the armor of God. It's an easy thing to say you got to put on the armor of God, but but few people really know what that entails. And the other to close it out uh, would be the. Um, your take on what uh, Paul describes as the spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, which you've got a different take on. So, starting with the fasting, um, I, I think we're I think we're going to have to return to it. And some people get real fanatic about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think to begin with, let's be led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, some weeks, God may just want you to fast one meal. Some weeks, He may want you to fast several days. And so it really comes to being led by the Holy Spirit. One of the things that I show uh, in my book, remember when the Apostle Paul was confronted by the girl with the python spirit? Mm. Yes. And I remember as as a kid listening to my preacher, you know, preach on this, and he said, well, you know, it took the Apostle Paul two or three days to figure out what was going on. Uh, I I think the Apostle Paul was a smarter cookie than that. Uh, But what I there are sometimes whenever you... Do that type of deliverance, do that kind of warfare. 
you have to go into it fasted up. And so I think the first day, the Apostle Paul just silently began to fast. And he did not confront that spirit until he felt that he had adequately fasted to, uh, that was in the same proportion to the spirit that he was going to come against. Mental and spiritual acuity is what you're talking about. Oh, absolutely. When you fast, and, and I'll share this, if you fast by just going without food, you don't pray and, and really see God. Isaiah has a lot to teach on you know, fasting that God would break the bonds of wickedness and so many things. Uh, if, you, if you don't add the prayer part into it, it's, it's simply called a really weird diet. Okay. But that there's something about t- of putting your flesh in its place. Uh, and in fact, the longer you do it, there, there was a uh, prophet that just recently went on to be with the Lord, but he used to teach a lot on fasting, and uh, many times, especially if he was going to go overseas, he would fast for like 20 days or more before going and ministering. And uh, I remember him saying that, you know, after about two weeks of fasting, he wouldn't drive the vehicle anymore because he was more aware of spiritual things than he was physical things. And the last thing you want to do is being, you know, going down the highway at 70 miles an hour and say, oh, look, an angel, you know. And so he'd, he'd let his wife drive. But I, I think part of it is just getting us to where we're not so caught up in the things of the world. We separate ourselves out. Uh, we begin fasting, seeking the face of God. Uh, that's going to have to become a normal discipline the closer we get to the return of the Lord. And it's almost a lost art in much of the body of Christ. You know, you know, I, I look. I do this. Uh, I have a routine almost every day, and and it's uh, uh, especially in, in the in the summer months. You you know, you get away from all electronics. You, you just take a walk, uh, quiet time, meditation. Not in the not in the uh, new age sense, but per- prayerful meditation. And there's, it's almost like a deprivation time. And that does include fasting and, you know, depending on the length, uh, of course, uh, you know, you just, yeah, it's so, because that does sharpen your, your mental focus and spiritual acuity with respect to, uh, things of, of, well, your spirituality. It, it hones your spirituality. I do, I do believe that. Well, what do you, so let, let's advance it to the, um, the uh, holiness, or, or the uh, personal one's personal holiness, when we're directed to put on or wear the armor of God, how does that play into? Well, in, in the body in the body of Christ, we're awful bad at snippet theology. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Ephesians six and, and this part of Ephesians six, but then we try to separate it from Ephesians one, two, three, and four and five. Uh, and you and I both have seen people that get excited about spiritual warfare. A preacher comes through and preaches on it, and they go out and begin to do it, and they get their lunch eaten. <laughs> and because of the way things have been taught, Doug, most believers today that think that they're on the on the warfare and clad in armor, they're out there in their BVDs, and they wonder why they're they're getting so wounded because you can't separate Ephesians four and five from six. He, he, he details, you got to put off the old man and his ways. you got to look to Jesus and begin putting on this new man because the armor of God can only go where the character of Christ has been established. It's his armor, and that armor is not going to go on something that is out of character with the one who owns the armor. 
And so the the more that we begin growing in the Lord, the more that, you know, and the, the growing process is cycles of repentance, uh, it's cycles of drawing closer to God. Uh, I have found that the longer I get in this, the narrower the path becomes. Uh, I, you know, Mary and I were talking about this the other day, and I said, you know, I kind of feel like I'm walking a dog trail. And uh, if, if you're not from the country, you don't know what that is, but uh, even though a dog has four feet, the little trail it can leave, that dog can leave is about an inch wide. Right. Uh, but there's safety, there's peace there. And that, that's why, you know, the, the Apostle Paul said, you know, all things are, are, are permissive and all things are profitable. That he knew that even though a lot of people say, well, these are great gray areas, the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul said, no, 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 they're not. Because I'll be losing part of my armor. I, I, I want my armor strong. And that's where personal holiness comes in. And the, the universality of God's word, what God said is always righteous, will always be righteous. Uh, it starts in the Old Testament. It goes all the way through to the New Testament. It's perfectly uniform from one end of the book to the other. But so is sin. But now we have in church, we have people teaching hyper-grace, and they're saying, because of grace, we can sin all the more. And the Apostle Paul in Romans says, God forbid that would happen. But what they're saying is you can, the, well, it, it's, it's false doctrine. Anytime that you take a doctrine out of the balance of the Word of God, it can become a false doctrine. Right. And they're actually going and saying that the cross changed God. No, it didn't. God is unchangeable. That's one of his basic characteristics. That's systematic theology 101. The cross changed us. It freed us from the power of sin. So that we might begin partaking of the righteousness of Christ and begin learning to walk in it. And the more we walk in it, the more of God's armor is established in our lives. Can you repeat what you said earlier um, about the armor of God and the character of Christ? Yeah, the the armor of God can only be a can only be put on where the character of Christ has been established in your heart. Okay. That's profound. I mean, that's a very profound statement, I believe. Wow. It is, but we're not being taught that anymore. We're taught that as long as you go to church every weekend and you give God that one hour of your of your week, if you're lucky, right. uh, that, you're, that you're good to go. No, this is a 24-7, 365 of walking with God and growing and maturing in Him because the Apostle Paul says, don't let sin have dominion over you. Don't lend your members unto unrighteousness, but then he begins to plead with them. But lend your body, lend, lend your life to be an expression of righteousness in the earth. And th- th- that's where one develops, if I can expand on this or, or take it to its conclusion or advance it, that, that's where one develops one's own personal holiness and it's when I say holiness I'm talking about a very holistic um, well-rounded biblical um, condition I suppose Yeah, and, and we need to understand there's a difference between biblical holiness and supposed holiness by a religious spirit that begins judging everybody around them 
that you know it, it comes down to you know and and uh, and the traditions that I was raised in as a Baptist, I shouldn't have a beard because you know men of God don't wear beards. Uh, in, in the tradition I was raised, or you have to dress a certain way, or your hair has to be so long. All these man-made rules go back to what the Word of God says. Right. Oh, you're talking about Old As, Testament rules. Uh, I mean, are we not? Oh, absolutely. Because in, when, whenever you begin studying the Word of God, and one of, one of my favorite hermeneutical principles is the principle of first mention. The first time anything is mentioned in the Bible, its basic definition is established. Now, it can expand from there, but it will always line up with that. So anything uh, in the Old Testament that God calls sin will always remain sin. Okay. Anything that God says, this is a righteous act, will always remain a righteous act. That's why the Apostle John, referring to the commandments of God in First John, he said, listen, if you say you follow him, but you're not keeping his commandments, you're a liar. And you know, because it's you know, the commandments are: don't lie, don't right. cheat, don't steal, don't covet your brother, a brother's wife, don't covet what he has. Uh, there, there's a, there's so many. When now, when we examine the Old Testament, we need to realize that the Torah, which is the foundation, has God's moral code established in it. It's also a constitution for a nation. It's instructions for a priesthood, and so you've got to kind of separate them all out. Uh, for, you know, which ones apply where. But what God called sin, when you do this, when you lie against your brother, you bear false witness, you do all these things, it's still sin after the cross. We're supposed to be freed from that. Okay. That, okay, right. Correct. And, you know, and, and I, I share this in my first book. It's not about being culturally Jewish. It's about being biblically accurate. And that's a very important distinction. And okay, now you, you mentioned briefly, kind of glanced over this about um, the, the judgmental Christians. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because I've been seeing this. I've been seeing a divisiveness occur within the body of the church or within the body of believers, and it's a very divisive, uh, very judgmental division. Or the division is because of. It's a judgmental division. I don't know it's, it's, a re, it's a religious spirit. That, yeah. You know, it, you and I both have known men of God that, I mean, were, uh, you know, you look at like Henry Groover. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at him and I marvel. My wife marvels. It's like some of the things that he's done, the things that he's heard from God and the level he's walking with God uh, make many of us feel like we're just getting started on this road. Yeah. And so, he, so God has used him. He has seen miracle after miracle after miracle. But he's one of the most humble men you'd ever want to meet. Right. Because that's the character of Christ. And so there's holiness there established with the character of Christ. There can be a pseudo-holiness that's almost pharisaical that is facilitated by a religious spirit to contaminate the body. And, Doug, I see it all over the Internet. Yeah, I do, too. And, and it saddens me. And, and I wrote a piece, um, or maybe it was a video, that if I was not a Christian, or if I was an atheist, I'd be laughing at the Christians for this spirit of divisiveness, which they so enjoy. It, it's incredible to me. You know, part of it's, you know, we're wounded. 
uh, we're, we're emotionally stifled, and there's all kinds of different dynamics that can go on with it that God needs to heal. But I remember when I was going through seminary, and I had odds with a friend of mine about a theological point. Boy, I knew I was right, and I was superior and all that. And, and my mentor pulled me aside, and he said, listen, he said, oh, there's, he said, there's a chance you're completely off, or he's completely off. But there's also a chance that there are levels of depth in the Word of God. You may be in kindergarten, and he's in fifth grade. Wow. You're wanting to do one plus one equals two, and he's doing division. And so his next response was he required, I, I went through five different systematic theologies, every one from it, you know, it's uh, a, a Armenianistic, a Calvinistic, a Baptist, a Pentecostal, you know, he made me go through all of them so that I could see the different points of view and that all of them had some good things, all of them had some things that uh, a lot of it, I think Calvin and Ar Arminius were arguing because they were looking at two different sides of the same mountain. Right. One says, if you're the elect, you hold out to the end. And the other one was saying, if you hold out to the end, you're the elect. <laughs> you know. Uh, again, I, I understand that. And very well said. Wow. It's hard to believe it, we only have about ten minutes left. I mean, just continue and uh, go anywhere. Close it out however you want in the remaining ten minutes we have left, sir. One of the things that I, I came to realize as I was reading Ephesians 6 where it talks about this warfare that we have. You have principalities and powers, rulers of darkness. It's all referring to entities. But when it talks about spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, as I begin to look at that, uh, I don't necessarily see the characteristics within the Greek of it being an entity. There's a river of God that flows from the throne of God that heals nations well in the second heaven there's a black river that flows from the throne of Lucifer that destroys nations and that destroys lives and destroys people and I believe the Apostle Paul was referring to that when he called that thing spiritual wickedness in heavenly places and we, we need to change our view of sin Doug if I allow a sin into my life, I need to be quick to repent. Isn't that what John said in First John? Yep. And he's faithful and just to forgive us. Yes. But if I don't, I begin fueling the very thing the enemy can use to destroy my life and my family. If I don't repent. Right. And, it, and so the enemy is actually drawing his power from me to destroy me. Okay. I get that. That's why we need to be quick to repent. Uh, and uh, I've, I've determined, and I, I can't remember if I put it in the book or not, you know, you can only relate to things like you've been through. Like somebody can't understand necessarily what a, a military individual will go through that's been in combat. When I was in the military, there was no combat. Uh, it was during peacetime when I was in. And so even though I can have some camaraderie with with other military, there's something about those who have been through combat because they can understand, they can wrap their head around it. Right. It is impossible. Lucifer does not possess the ability to repent, nor does any angel. When they fall, they're fallen forever. 
He cannot experience repentance. He cannot wrap his head around it. See, I think that's even what we've kind of experienced with this reprieve. He thought that he had everything in place to where it was unstoppable. And God's people began to repent. He never counts on repentance because he cannot comprehend repentance. It's one of our secret weapons. Wow. Okay. And yet we. That, that changes the dynamics of everything then. Oh yeah. And it changes the dynamics of what's being taught by hyper grace is you don't need to repent anymore. Well, that's the whole process of sanctification. Right. That as the, God begins to show me things, I repent. Uh, there have been times I've been, I've been wanting to go on maybe a new level in God. And God will remind me something, a, a judgment I made on somebody else or an inner vow. I may have been 10 years old. And he'll bring it up in, in crystal clarity to me. And I look at it now and say, oh, is this is a stupid kid. He says, yeah, but it's still in place. Repent of it. Release it. And when I did, I found out I was able to reach for what I was wanting spiritually. Because that's part of the sanctification process of walking with God. Even the Feast of God teaches that. In the spring, we're taught you need to bring it under the blood. Okay, you better make sure you have blood over your doorposts. You make sure there's no leaven in your life. You get to the fall feast and you have those 10 days of awe to where I need to make sure that I'm right with both God and man because when the king comes, anything that has not humbled itself before him is cut off. And so even the feast teach cycles of repentance and introspection and getting right with God. And, and so each year we, we should have, we should have new levels of, of repentance and insight that God's given us. And sometimes it can be major things. Sometimes it can be little things. But, you know, little things can really trip you up if you're not careful. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you're talking about the process, if I'm hearing this correctly, of spiritual maturity. Um, correct? Correct. And and the way that the church teaches the gospel anymore, we we have actually set a condition where people will spend their entire lives in God's nursery. And one of, the, one of the most saddest things in the world is a 50-year-old still wearing diapers. <laughs> okay, yeah. Wow. And uh, so, some indeed, uh, perhaps myself included, at times resemble that remark, right? You know, I yeah. I think we all do. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. And, and uh, we... Uh, I can see how all of this interconnects here. Uh, the the amazing job you have done with with the um, with the Shinar uh, directive and the Sharith imperative, how you have just woven this tapestry of information together to really lay out the foundation and then give the tactical battle manual in the in in, in the latter book. Uh, and I can't wait to, to read your third book. Um, you said it's going to be the kingdom, uh, the kingdom, kingdom par- paradigm. Paradigm. Wow. Okay. And it, it may end up being multi-volume because I'm, I'm actually taking the series I'm teaching on Biblical Life TV, understanding the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And we're on like part 35. I've got 35 hours worth of teaching just on it. Uh, and so it may end up being multi-volume, but it, it's really to lay out a systematic theology for the kingdom 
and for the remnant in the last days. Got it. And, and by the way, that's all online, free, available resources, correct? Or is that behind it? It, it is. It, it's all on YouTube. Uh, in fact, we have almost 300 videos right now on our YouTube channel. Okay. That's it's amazing. And, and tremendous resources. I just want to make sure that that particular series, the 30, right. And as a matter of fact, our, yes, go to, uh, um, folks, go to uh, Biblical Life under the YouTube channel, which is uh, his website is kingdomintelligencebriefing.com, Dr. Michael Lake. Uh, we got about four minutes left, Dr. Lake, or about three minutes left. Any closing comments, sir? Uh, one, we've put together a special package. Uh, it's called the Lake Power Book Package. It has the Shiner Directive, the Sherith Imperative, my wife's book, oh, yeah. uh, what, Christ, what uh, the witches don't want Christians to know. And you can save $8 by getting the pack. Uh, we're also going to throw in some DVDs. I've got my, uh, when I was at Hear the Watchman last year, that DVD's in there. Uh, the two sessions I did at Gary Sturman's conference in Rocky Mountain International Prophecy Conference will, will be in there. And so it, it, it's a nice little package for $45. Super. Okay. And you, we, we can get that through the Kingdom, Intel, or Kingdom Intelligence Briefing.com? Yeah, you go right there. It'll, it'll give you a link to the shopping cart. Okay, and what a wonderful package, uh, folks. Wow. And like I said, uh, the Shiner Directive and the Sharif Imperative, two tremendous books, and Eric the Tech is just fascinated with the, uh, with, but with both of them, but he's, he's really, he's rereading the, uh, Shiner Directive, and you really do a great job of really explaining to people like me, uh, who, who aren't intellectual giants, you really do a great job in getting getting to uh, getting to me or getting to people like me that really have a desire to understand, but maybe maybe don't know things as as well as you know you do and, and others. So I appreciate that and I thank you for that. Wow, that's such a, it's such a pleasure. It's just the gift of God, you know. Uh, I, I look at all this stuff and I, and sometimes I look at it. and I'm amazed at it. It's like God just led me step by step. And it's just a matter of following his spirit and using the gifts he's put in me. And so all the glory goes to him. And I must, I must say too, please, we give, uh, your wife our best, uh, her book. Her, her book again is what witches don't want. Yeah. Go ahead. Christians to know, uh, right. what witches don't want Christians to know expanded edition. Okay. And, uh, it, it deals with witchcraft and, and mind control and all kinds of crazy things that we found out. So. And that, that's an amazing read, folks. It really is. And, and, uh, Mrs. Lake was on our, on our show here not too long ago. And it, uh, we'll have to replay that at some point. What a great, what, what a, she's a great lady. And, and give her our she, best. I will. She's certainly my better half. I can tell you. She keeps, she keeps me in line and she's actually more prophetic than I am. Oh. And, man. uh, I, I rely heavily on her. And, and and there it is. Uh, I'm I'm the same way. My my wife is definitely my better half. Doctor Lake, thank you so much for your gift of time tonight. God bless you. It's been a pleasure. All right. It's been a pleasure, brother. We'll see you soon. All right, folks, that'll do it for us tonight. Wow, what a great interview, Doctor Lake is just. I mean, the the intellectual, the intellectual, uh, the powerhouse that he is in his books. Again, I can't I cannot tell you how great they are. Um, they have enriched me, blessed me. The Shinar Directive and the Sharif Imperative, um, just absolutely fantastic works. If you want to really, they make to me they make the scripture come alive, and, and that's just my view. And they also connect the dots. Steve Quayle, uh, his writings and uh, 
uh, Mark and David Flynn's writings and others. They just he just puts them all together. I just want to thank every one of you. Thank each and every one of you for for your faith and your trust in us. Joe should be back tomorrow night. Oh, by the way, uh, we have one more uh, Sherry's Bears gift certificate. We'll, we'll, do, we'll be doing that tomorrow night. God bless. Stay safe. Thanks for listening.